and you should not try to steal cars while you're doing interviews. Who wants cranberry sauce with their ADHD cast? Welcome to the anniversary episode, number 25, Savage Mouths, released November 25th, 2013. It's not safe for work, and may contain crude language, suggestive dialogue, and references to using socks improperly. Today's guest is stand-up comic and pin-up model, Amy C. Sulam. First, a dash of beef naked. Pass the casserole, will ya?
Ever have toast, like made out of bread? I'm D the DJ, and not, as some people seem to think, Lady Stardust, a turkey. Here on ADHD Cast, our motto is, here's your quarter, go buy a better podcast. And that was Amazon Motel by Biff Naked that started us off today on our 25th anniversary show! By the way, Biff Naked, you're still my queen. Um, yeah, so we made it. We made it to episode 25. I know you were all rooting for me, or rooting for me to fail, but either way, here we are. So, to those of you who are rooting for me to succeed, thank you. The rest of you, um, fuck the hell off. Completely off. Um, pretty much go listen to that Lady Sovereign song, where there's a whole thing. Anyway, so this Thursday is Thanksgiving. Um... Thanksgiving is a magical holiday in which Christopher Columbus totally fucked over a bunch of natives and then the pilgrims came and totally fucked them over some more. But I still think Thanksgiving should be celebrated for what it means to us today and not, you know, the terrible, terrible heritage. Um, so I'm going to celebrate Thanksgiving in the way that it needs to be celebrated by eating lots of turkey and cranberry sauce and crap, uh, hanging out with friends and being thankful for what I do have. Um, some days it's really hard for me. I mean, I'm going to be real with you guys for a second here. Some days it's really hard for me to be grateful for what I have because uh, most of the time I feel like I don't have a lot. I know it's not true, but I feel that way anyway. Like I don't have a car. Um, I've got kind of a maddening office job that's full time yet pays almost minimum wage. And I don't know. I just, I don't really have a lot of friends who actually live in this area, even though I know I do have a lot of friends in the rest of the world. But, you know, then I take a step back and I realize, hey, I do have a lot of friends, even if they don't live here. You know, at least I'm not a complete hermit who has no friends whatsoever. Uh, I realize that, no, I don't have a car, but I am a healthy young adult male who can get around under his own power without a car, at least. Um, I've got enough money to pay for my bus pass so I can get transportation to and from work. Um, I do have a job, even if it's not a great one, which is more than I could say for other people. And, you know, I have an awesome fucking podcast and I've written five books. And this is where I bring up that I won NaNoWriMo most amazingly. Oh God, I blew it out of the water. I totally blew it out of the fucking water. Um, yeah, I know I mentioned it last podcast, but yeah, I hit the 50,000 word mark on day 17. No, 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 no. See, what I actually did was I met the 50,000 word goal on day 10, and I finished the whole book on day 17. Right. God, it's just been so long since it happened. A whole week. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, everybody who's out there, like, who's got around 40,000 and is really struggling to get this done by the 30th. I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry I won so epically. Uh, get the fuck over it. <laughs> no, seriously, I, you know, I can't feel guilty because I just feel so awesome that I, that I did this well. Last year, I, it did come pretty close for me. Uh, I still got it done early. But it wasn't, it wasn't this early. It wasn't this ridiculous is what I'm trying to say. The first 10 days I got, I met the 50,000 goal. And on day 17, I finished the first draft. And I've just been reading through it. And I got to say, there's not a whole lot I'm changing. Just little, 
a little tweaking here and there, but it's going really well. Um, it's, yeah, I'm, you won't often hear me say, I'm a pretty self-deprecating guy that's completely willing to kick himself in the balls, but, um, I'm actually impressed with myself. This is like the only time you'll probably ever hear me say that. I am impressed with myself being able to do that because I didn't think I had it in me to get it done that fast. Like it, whatever I was inspired, however you want to put it. I'm, I'm, I'm stunned. Like, like I'm standing outside myself going, who the fuck are you? And how did you do all this? And why are you impersonating me? Like, like really seriously, it's, it's crazy. But, um, Instead of going on and on and on about, you know, how awesome I am or what the hell ever, instead, I'm going to read a part of my book. And I feel like that'll be more interesting to you than me just going, hey, I'm cool and look how awesome. But before I do that, I am going to take a sip of this. And this is cranberry juice for Thanksgiving. Nah. All right. So this is... I was going to pick, like, go through the whole thing and pick a passage, but then I decided the prologue is really short. It's only, like, two or three pages. So I'll just read the prologue. And then, you know, you'll be starting from the same place you would be starting if you bought the book. Uh, that makes as much sense as anything. So here we go. The prologue to an upcoming novel by D. Lawson Hart, entitled Splicers. And that's spelled very terribly. But anyway. <clears throat> prologue. He never expected to make it out alive. Not once he deconstructed the formula and realized its purpose. That would be too simple, even though simple was what he wanted. Ifosa Oni was a man who lived an ordinary, uncomplicated life. A less charitable person might even say dull or humdrum. He was content with this not because he was timid, though most people believe this to be true. He was content with this not because he did not possess the intellect, charisma, or animal magnetism to eke out a more vibrant existence. His life was uncomplicated because he wished it to be. Complications gave him migraine headaches. Based upon that, he often wondered why he chose the profession he did. Research led to all sorts of headaches. Be a medical doctor, his mother had berated him, alternately in Hausa and English. They make fantastic money and their careers are for life. Retire at 60 to the Bahamas with a good woman and live another 20 years in paradise. Why would you choose this instead? Alas, his personal ambitions and yen to serve a supposed conceptual greater good stood in the way of his happiness. Now, at last, it was time to pay the price for those facets of his humanity. Ephos's nervous fingers nearly dropped the flash drive as he jammed it into the port on the front of the terminal. For a handful of fleeting, heart-stopping seconds, he worried that he might have broken it in his haste. The idea that he may need a backup never once occurred to him. After all, who creates contingency plans for their contingency plans? Paranoid lunatics, that's who. Then again, he knew that to go up against these people in any way, shape, or form was crazy to begin with. He might as well have brought another dozen flash drives. A flicker. It was recognized. Fantastic. The folder popped into existence, and he busied himself clicking and dragging as many files of assorted types as he could get his hands on. Seconds turned into minutes, and anxiety turned into perspiration. He had almost reached for the drive when he remembered to back up the unique program that could actually decipher most of the crucial files that he had already transferred onto the tiny, pointless-seeming hunk of silicon. Neglecting it would have been a critical error which reduced all his efforts to futility. Seconds after he had slipped it from its bay and cleared the computer's search history, another icon flickered on the corner of the screen. A remote access alert. They knew. 
No further time was wasted as Zephosa made his way through the complex, got in his modest, compact car, and floored it, taking corners at speeds he had never before attempted even on straight stretches of road. Horns blared and pedestrians waved fists, and he couldn't be bothered. There were no accidents, none of them were hurt. They would probably take pictures and blog about it later, or whatever the youngsters did these days to distract themselves from becoming productive members of society. At long last, he spotted what he was after in the distance, the neon sign of an internet cafe that he knew to be open all night. Many spots were open in the parking lot behind the building at that time of night, so he selected one out of sight and made his way inside. Coffee and stale baked goods hung on the air, as well as a faint hint of cigarette smoke from the section in the back that had been equipped with an exhaust fan. There was no sense in worrying about lung cancer by this point. Trying to appear unhurried, he asked the young woman behind the counter for access to a smoking terminal. She happily took his hard-earned money and gave him a keycard, gesturing in the direction he was already walking at a fast clip. The machine booted up with a cheerful chime that nauseated him, but he wasted no time in pulling up an internet browser and logging into his personal email account. The company would likely be watching it in addition to his corporate account, but there was no sense in making it easy for them. Then he scanned his list of contacts. Most of them would be in on it, he realized. If not, they would likely turn over whatever they received to the higher-ups, heedless of what was at stake. It was too horrible to contemplate so many weeks of work and painstaking secrecy going up in smoke that way. Then he saw a name, and an instinctive clench in his gut told him to click it. Once he had, he knew it was the wisest decision. Of all the other employees, there could be none that may have actually been trustworthy enough. Even this one was a gamble, but Ifosa liked the odds better than the rest. However, he ran into a snag when he began to attach the files. Precious seconds were wasted when the web browser informed him that he was loading the email down with far too many attachments. He then added them to a zipped document, turning many into one for simplicity's sake, but now the file was too large. How could one win when technology itself was out to obstruct you around every corner? Then he remembered something his nephew had told him. There was a website where one could store large files, then give out the link to friends or colleagues to download at their leisure. A few clicks through a search engine brought it up, and he impatiently clicked through advertisements and offers to receive their newsletter, one he would never likely get a chance to read anyway. Until finally, the file was on the site and the link was in the email. What should he say? How does one preface asking someone to endanger themselves simply to complete the work you fail to see through to its zenith? It's Ifosa. I know we haven't spoken much, but I think this may interest you, especially if I happen to be homesick on Monday. Take care of yourself. And don't waste your life the way I have. Where'd that last sentence come from? He had not intended to make things personal in any way, but a sudden rush to impart some final grain of advice to another being had filled him at the last moment, and his fear of the next moment forced him to click send before he could reconsider. Oh well, what was the difference in the end? Then he calmly cleared the browser history, selected the flash drive, and began the reformatting process. Very shortly thereafter, men in suits emerged. They initiated pleasant-sounding conversations with him that would not arouse a suspicion of the cafe's late-night denizens. Ifosa greeted them warmly, a strange elation at having accomplished at least some part of his mission filling his stomach like a warm broth, easing the fear of what was to come. When they, not too subtly, suggested that he might like to take a walk with them, he glanced around the room at the old man playing solitaire and the teenage girl popping her gum and dancing in her seat to noise coming from her pink headphones. And he agreed. No sense in creating a lot of unnecessary collateral damage simply to delay the inevitable. Because he'd known all along that he would not make it out alive. And that's it. How'd you like it? Is it anything? I hope it's something, because it's my book. Uh, and actually, 
that gives you a really terrible idea of what the rest of the book's tone is like. The pref the uh, the prologue is like nothing like the rest of the book, but it does introduce you know background concepts of what's to come. And yeah, anyway, it was fun to write. So there's that, and now you know what how Splicer starts. All right, so let's move on to other crap going on. Um, I sold my damn bicycle. <laughs> yeah. Those of you who don't remember, I won a bicycle from Taco Bell and it fell apart before I got it home. However, my roommate uh, expressed an interest in trying to fix it up. So uh, a couple weeks ago, he just knocked on my door one day and he's like, still got that bike? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, here's 50 bucks. So I'm like, wow, thanks for saving me the effort of creating a Craigslist ad. You're awesome. And that's the epilogue of that story. Um, I, I would say there's more, but there's really not. Moving on to the lists, because I'm going to do lists. Even though the interview is like two hours long, I'm going to do lists anyway, because um, it's episode 25. You deserve a little more. Um, let's see. What am I reading? Reading list time. So um, I don't think I wrapped it up in a, in a previous podcast. I don't think I had finished it. But um, Cuckoo's Calling by Robert Galbraith, a.k.a. J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Um it was really good, and I do want to read her next book. And I've read somewhere the news that she's already working on book two of uh, Inspector Strike's story. Um, it kind of reminds me, I don't even know if anybody's read it, but, uh, I mean, watched it. But there's an, an old BBC production called Cracker that starred uh, Robbie Coltrane as Cracker. I don't remember his actual name. But, uh, but that... Um, it reminds me of that a little bit. Also in that show was the woman that played Harry Potter's mother. So yeah, Hagrid and Harry Potter's mother have sex. It's awkward as fuck. But anyway, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit in that it's it's gritty, but there's such a humanness to it and you relate to the characters so much. Um, I feel kind of sad that most of the characters wouldn't come back in book two. It would literally just be Strike and, um, and Robin, his girl Friday. And maybe, maybe that one woman that had, he had like an ongoing case with. <laughs> but although, spoiler, little bit of a spoiler, plug your ears if you don't want a spoiler or fast forward about 10 seconds. That supermodel he bangs, I hope he bangs her again. Or at least, you know, there's, they run into each other and there's some awkwardness that's fun. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I really thoroughly enjoyed it and it's, and it's good. Um... What else am I reading? Blackjack, the manga by Osamu Tezuka. Uh, that's really, really good. I'm on volume four, and um, I highly recommend it to anybody who has a pulse. Because even if you're not a fan of manga, and you just like a good like hospital procedural, still read this, because it's a really good doctor drama, and it's got good humor and good everything. Just, just go get it. Um, Okay, so I'm also working my way through Pretties by Scott Westerfeld. Uh, I already read Uglies. It was great. Um, it's really funny because right at the exact same time I started reading it, I also made a friend through Tom Shock, our beloved co-podcaster, uh, named Shay. And anybody who's read Uglies or Pretties knows that there's a character named Shay. So funny, funny thing that. Um, but yeah, hi wifey. So I'm working my way through pretties now. I'm, I'm just at the beginning of it. I really don't know what's, what happens in it. Don't spoil it for me. 
Um, also, I read um, a couple weeks before, I read Veronica Roth's Divergent, which has been out for a while, but um, the third book in the installment's like brand new, but um, I've only read the first one, Divergent. Um, and hey, guess what? There's, um, there's a movie now. Yeah. And fucking insanity. I'll get to, I'll get to my review of the actual movie later, but for now I'll just say, so, um, Sunday I went and saw Catching Fire and I'm sitting there in the theater and on comes the fucking Divergent, uh, trailer. I had no clue they were making a movie, that they were in production, anything. Apparently they're in post-production because there's the fucking trailer. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, I know what this is. I just read this. What is the what the fuck is happening? Oh my god, it's Divergent. And like, I because I was at the movies by myself, I had to fight very hard to stay in my seat and not like jump up and start doing crazy shit that would make people look at me funny because it was that much of a mind fuck to me. Nobody told me. Nobody told me it was being made into a movie. I'm like, holy crap. But yeah, enough fangirling. Uh so that's what I've been reading. Um, listening list. Um, I'm not going to get into this now. I'm just going to do the other list because, well, if you haven't noticed when I do listening list and I review music, I put the music I'm reviewing in the background and, um, it's nine o'clock. I don't have time to do all that post-production. So I'm going to save my review of various musics until next time. Uh, watching list agents of sealed is still going strong and I still love it. Uh, it's Joss Whedon at his best. Um, let me think. I watched Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, pierced cranial ridges are weird, and I'm not sure how to feel about it. So, do something else with the Klingons for the third movie, please. Um, not sure if I like the new Khan or not. I don't know. Uh, he's a good actor. I just... I'm still thinking Ricardo Montalban. But other, anyway, it was a good movie. Um, have not watched the 50th anniversary special of Doctor Who yet don't stone me. I don't care if I'm a self-proclaimed geek. I don't have to be a geek under your sets of rules you motherfucker. But I mean more honestly I probably would have been able to you know do a quick marathon of all the Doctor Who I haven't watched yet. I haven't watched anything with Matt Smith yet. Whatever. You know whatever man. Just back off. But uh I probably would have already been able to catch up with it if I wasn't so busy working on this podcast and my book, both of which are very important. That is why you can back the hell off. But yeah, um, now that my book is done and I'm just editing and I'm almost done editing, actually, and um, yeah, mostly that, <laughs> um, I can actually go back to watching TV again and like full seasons of stuff. So I probably will get caught up with Doctor Who like in the next couple months. Um, also, in place of that, because I have to watch something, um, I've been watching the rare and occasional episode of 30-something, the television comedy drama from 1986. Yeah, and it's so 80s. 86 or 87? Whatever. There were shoulder pads. Um, and I've actually really been enjoying it. Um not to go into too much detail, but there's like stuff going on there that really resonates with my life now, now that I am 30 something. Wah, wah. Um, <laughs> of course, you know, there's also stuff like, you know, am I supposed to be doing all this already? Cause I don't know, but, uh, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. Also, um, I saw, uh, Kelly Martin in an episode as like 
some guy, one of the main characters, is dating his daughter. And I saw her name in the credits. I'm like, okay, this episode's almost over. Where the hell is Kelly Martin? I'm waiting. Where is she? And I finally thought, wait a minute. It's that damn little girl right there, isn't it? That's Kelly Martin, and that's fucking weird. Because, you know, I remember her from, like, ER and stuff. Because when 30-something came out, I was, like, a fetus. But, yeah, so that's Kelly Martin. Uh, (laughs) Weird. Because I'd never seen her as a child actor. I didn't realize she was a child actor. But, um, yeah, that's her. Um, I actually tweeted it. I was like, oh my god, Kelly Martin's in this episode. What an adorable kid, and she grew up to be an amazing woman, and she's beautiful. Some gushy crap like that. And she replied. (laughs) And she was like, oh my god, I was 11, was what she said. But, uh, yeah, so that was cool. And therefore, your who to follow for today is Kelly Martin, and that would be at K-E-L-L-I-E underscore Martin. Um, Another who to follow for you today is Lady Stardust X, because I'm not a turkey, Claire. Anyway. Uh, Okay, so, yeah, you probably want to hear my thing about Catching Fire. Catching Fire was awesome. Moving on to the playing... No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) No, uh, it actually was really good. And it... I thought the first movie, The Hunger Games, was a great adaptation of the book. Um, I was like, wow. I'm actually really thoroughly impressed by how well they they turned this book into a movie. Like, it's just... It's just great. This is better. Like, and not by much, because the first movie was so good, there wasn't really a lot of room for improvement. But but the room for improvement they had... They used it, like, around every corner. Oh, my God. Like, the island and the dial shape and everything was almost exactly how I imagined it. So spot on with how I pictured it. I'm like, oh, my God. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful. No, the whole movie was great. I mean, like, a couple of people were a little bit different than I pictured, but that's expected. Like, um, okay, don't shoot me, but I already forgot the name of the new Games Master who takes over for Seneca Crane. But that guy, eh, I didn't really picture him being, you know, that old and pasty and fat. But it, it just, you know, he was great in the role, whatever. It just was not how I pictured him when it was he was described in the book. But maybe I'm just not remembering it very well. Um, also, uh, Joanna, I, I thought she was blonde. I pictured her as blonde, whatever. Maybe she was never blonde and I'm just crazy. But um, the only thing that didn't quite quite to work for me and it and it just it was like it was still good i just i don't know i thought they could have sold it better somehow or other was the last scene spoilers blah 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 shut up uh the last scene where they're in the copter and she's talking to gail it just was kind of a oh and that's how the movie ends i mean probably on second watching i'll appreciate more like her look of rage at the end which was cool. It just felt like there needed to be like more, like more of a kick in the balls. I don't know. It was just like, you know, here's here's something for you to think about as you go home. The, you know, District 12 has exploded. And then the credits. And a wonderful Coldplay song. But yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, it was still good though. It was still really good. I just, I probably need time to get used to that's how the movie ends. It was just... I know they had already had the big climax and in the actual arena and stuff blowing up and and oh god the dome blowing up was really cool looking but uh yeah and no the, the very end note was just kind of like and there it is but yeah like I said let me sit with it for a while I might change my opinion but 
I'm, I don't need to change my opinion that the movie was fucking good. So, anyway. Uh, playing list, I'd only have one thing to briefly mention, and I probably should have done this before I did the watching list, because this is kind of a... Who cares? Uh, but uh, I did pop in just a little bit, and I really haven't touched it since I started doing NaNoWriMo, so it, whatever. But I did pop in for a little bit this... Uh, this Mega Man X Command mission on uh, PS2. <laughs> I laugh because it's kind of bad. And it is. <laughs> um, it's There was kind of some fun. But for the most part, it is just bad. So, um, like, it's not the worst RPG I've ever played. That would probably have to go to uh, either Final Fantasy Mystic Quest or Evolution Worlds. Those are both pretty bad, but this one is better than those, and there are there is fun stuff about it. It's just it feels kind of staticky and cartoony, and oh god, the cutscenes take forever and are not interesting at all. But yeah, I don't I don't know if I'll ever actually play any more of it, but I give it like two stars out of five, or as Tom would say, two out of five watches in my ass. All right, so I think that about does it for the forward, and you've pretty much heard all I needed to tell you. Uh, I guess more about my nano book. Um, it's finished. It topped out at like seventy-six thousand words, which, to put that in perspective, is just a little bit longer than Mark Twain's Tom Sawyer, um, but of course nowhere near as long as Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn, which I never finished because it's kind of tedious. Sorry if you're a fan of it, but it's tedious. Um, yep, but, so look forward to Splicers being released sometime this century. Um, up next is an interview I did, uh, a week ago tonight with the lovely Amy Z. Sulam, LLC, who is a comedian and a pinup girl and a mother and a lover and... A motherfucker. <laughs> no, I'll let her take it away, and uh, we'll be right back after some kind of bumping, dealy-wop, shoo-bang. Transform and get coupons, not coupons. future <coughs> excuse me so today i have a very special guest here in the studio by which i mean on the phone actually hello uh i know her from the twitters uh, she is the founder of savage mouse comedy uh supermodel and all-around spicy pepper uh the lovely amy sulam <laughs> hello welcome to adhd cast amy uh why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do 
Okay, so I am a stand-up comic. Um, I live in Nashville right now. I am originally from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I run Savage Mouth. We do live um, comedy shows. Generally, I like to host, so it's more of a party vibe when people come in. So they are there kind of to hang out with us. Um, I've been doing stand-up and improv for a while, and I like being in charge of a bunch of boys because I'm a girl, and I think it's funny. I'm smaller than them, and they are totally uh, afraid of me in my head. <laughs> that I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you can do to buck the system? Yeah, uh, when I started out in stand-up initially, the uh, the boys did not... It's a very male-dominated field, and the boys did not really take kindly to me wanting to play in their sandbox. So I was like, screw you guys. I'll make my own sandbox. <laughs> I'll fill it with glitter, and people will come. And they did. So now those same boys who wouldn't let me play in their sandbox want to play in my sandbox. And I'm like, no, because I'm petty. <laughs> yeah, the sandbox is closed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm picturing like this nightclub called the Sandbox with all these giant bouncers outside. <laughs> and then you get inside, and there really is sand. <laughs> <laughs> People would come, like, the one time, and then they would never return because sand gets everywhere. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, didn't think this through. Yeah. Worst Home Depot purchase ever. 80 tons of sand. <laughs> and then it all has to go back. And where do you... I mean, do you donate it to a no-kill pet shelter? <laughs> what? <laughs> you, could, you could do that, or you could... Um, you could donate it to, like, I don't know, people who want to play Call of Duty, like, for real. Oh. You just, yeah, you could just give it, because even if they go out and play paintball in it or whatever, um, they will not only be idiots for playing paintball Call of Duty, they will also be covered in sand, and I feel like that's cosmic justice for being a tool. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine the walk of shame back from their... Uh... Call of Duty live-action roleplay. <laughs> <laughs> They're covered in paint and sand, and they just look like they got beat up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you can. I'm glad that you can envision the kind of world that I do. Yes, I'm. I took a lot of mind-altering drugs before we started. <laughs> <laughs> I just so. wake up like this every day. Oh really? Oh man. <laughs> See, that's what I've been trying to key into, but. There's just, I have to put so much work into it. We can't all be in. No, no, it's, it's a lot of like puffing paint fumes as a child and being dropped on your head that gets you to where you think, you know what would be amazing for a grown adult to wear in public? A hoodie with mouse ears on it. Yes. Now I want that. Well, I definitely have a unique fashion sense, that's for sure. So I have have a lot of people that I will convert them over to wearing ridiculous things at least to our shows. Well, see, that's that's great, though. That's gold. I mean, you're converting the masses. <laughs> and they thoroughly enjoy um, my outfits. There are people who actually come to our shows. They're like, we just wanted to see what you were going to wear this time. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. We don't even care yeah, what we you're don't. going to do up there. Doesn't matter. Uh, doesn't matter. Well... I mean, I'm sure stand-up is, you know, or can be a very audio and visual multimedia experience. It definitely is. There's a lot that people, when they initially get into it, take for granted. Like, what you wear on stage does matter and how much you move around. It's, 
I can't pay attention to a comic on stage if they're just constantly moving around because that's all I'm focused on is like, what is wrong with you and why can you not stand still? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen that, the nervous comic, and it is, it, I mean, well, I mean, it depends on how they do it, but it can be really irritating. So. Mm-hmm. If it's part of their shtick to do, like, pacing or something like that, but I mean, I've literally seen people who are just starting out that just, they can't keep the mic right in front of them, and they are, like, wandering around the stage and just this nervous energy, like, they don't know what to do. And I'm like, if you stand still, we're not going to shoot you. This is not... This is not target practice. Like, if you stand still, we're going to listen to you. Well, they're expecting the uh, the cliched Rotten Tomatoes and all that to get start throwing. They're like, well, if I'm already moving, you know, maybe fifty percent of them will will miss. Right, but I mean, most of the of the comics are like these total progressive hippie types. Like, our t- tomatoes are organic, and nobody's going to waste three dollars worth of tomatoes on somebody who's not any good. Well, true. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can find something else to throw. <laughs> Bottles will throw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something more dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's unfortunate. So do you do you do a lot of uh, touring around or do you mostly play around the natural area? Um in the summer I do uh, I do a lot of like touring around and shows in other states uh, generally with friends but when it's not summer i like to stay at least within like the tennessee alabama georgia florida area mm-hmm. i don't want to be too far away because i feel like you know what if i have an emergency and sunlight happens and i need my coffin immediately there's always that as a possibility yeah so pretty much anywhere that you can get to in a day trip and back in a day trip exactly I, I don't like to be away if I haven't planned on it. And there's something about my brain and just the way it works that I feel like summer is for travel jobs and not summer is not for travel jobs. Yeah, it, I mean, well, the weather's nicer, for one. It, it is. And when I, you know, when I travel with other comics, generally they're boys. So when I tell them things like, I realize that I'm outnumbered and we are all being put up in a Motel 6, so I'm going to sleep in the bathtub and you guys can pee off the balcony. That is easier to get them to do so that I have the bathroom as my own little bedroom <laughs> uh, if the weather is nice. Prob- yeah. <laughs> probably the people under our balcony don't like it so much. <sighs> yeah, well, tut tut, it looks like golden rain. Right, right. Well, it's also urine is sterile and like I don't even know what you're freaking out about. Well, yeah, I- I mean, come on, guys. Does it really have to be a big deal? I mean, in fact, you should be thanking us for peeing mm-hmm. on you because now <laughs> you're sterilized. Right, we've sterilized you. And also, what if you had just been stung by a jellyfish? Then you'd be super grateful. See, there you go. And I have been stung by a jellyfish, so I know that I know that pain. And I know that if that had happened, I would want somebody peeing off the balcony. <laughs> and, I, and I'd be like, hey, thank you. And you'd be like, those people from Savage Mouth are saints. That's what they are. And psych. <laughs> or they just have a long-range listening devices. Oh. And they heard me go, ah, oh, jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> they they um, are, uh, the guys in Savage Mouth just pay really close attention to everything I do, not at all. They're, they are the worst uh, friends and listeners to me ever. 
Oh, wow. They're really terrible. They are, they're bad at listening. They're not very considerate. And then they wonder why they're single. Mm, yeah. No, that, that would probably be part of it. Yeah, they refuse to take dating advice from me, which I feel like is really ridiculous. Yeah, it seems like they would have like an easy in to like the whole book of dating right there. And what's their alternate game plan exactly? Uh, each other. Mm. Each other. Because when I'm when I'm looking to, you know, get laid, I'm obviously going to ask pointers on how to make that happen from a group of people who are the least likely to ever have that happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they uh they well I'm like, you know, if you're having girl trouble, you can ask me. I'll help you, you know, I want you guys to be happy. And they're like, Yep, we wanted to run her off. Wow. I'm like <laughs> That's unkind. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. That's that's the comedy world. We're not very nice to each other. But there's sort of like this rule you only roast to people that you love. So you can only poke fun at somebody if you actually like them. Yeah, well, that's that's sweet. But then, then there's the flip side of that. And, you know, that one guy's like, yeah, do me, do me next. And, and then you all go, no, you're, you're fine. We like yeah. you. And then yeah. they know what it means. <laughs> uh, they do. <laughs> they do. They do. I've had people who have said like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to do a roast? And you guys could like roast me. And I'm like, no, that would not be fun for you at all. And I would feel terrible because while I know that I could write some really great things to make fun of you, they would all be true because I hate you. <laughs> wow, it's a cutthroat world. It is. It is. Very much so. So this is fun. This is interesting to be on your ominous super secret podcast thing. Yes. and in, in fact, uh, on the previous episode, somebody insinuated that it's secretly famous. Secretly famous. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know what it means, though. But I, I think have, I like it. I have lived my entire life to be secretly famous. Like, I'm only famous to myself, and that's where it ends. Mm. Yeah, I you know, think you have a... What? I was, gonna, I was just going to tell you that I uh, am standing right next to a very good friend of yours right now. Well, tell him to fuck off. No, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I I will I mean or you could just tweet it to him no, no, no. <laughs> so who are you standing next to um the incredibly talented and hilarious twitter master Paul Voigt twitter master twitter master now I hear you have to graduate to twitter grandmaster before you can compete in the twitter finals um, I have heard that. I've heard that from uh, people who incessantly tweet. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they think that. <laughs> it's probably not true. But <laughs> it's. I don't know. I don't know. There are a lot of people on Twitter who are secretly famous. Mm-hmm. Like you and Paul, I think, are secretly famous on Twitter. My 300 uh, followers, 280 of which are bots and people advertising stuff <laughs> but so hi paul oh yeah paul that's says hello <laughs> doing a weird voice voices yeah. are kind of his jam i don't know if you've ever seen this stand up but he can like do insanely amazing spot-on impressions that's awesome i love impressions um, i take them of tracks in the forest that was good. <laughs> 
I see what you did there, and I like it. I like that okay. a lot. Thank you for being overly kind. But that's why I don't do stand-up, because most of mine are groaners. But <laughs> Well, you set it up that that's your shtick, then it, it can totally work. Yeah. Get, get people laughing while they boo, and then it's just confusing. And exactly. Then, yeah, and then I have to go away. But, uh, so, you wear many hats. I do. I wear a lot of hats. Uh, before I did stand up, and even still now, I also uh, am what's known as a print model or a print girl or whatever. I do mostly pin up stuff, though. Okay. I, I don't know what that means. Can you explain that to me a little um, bit? Print? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, print means that you are, the way my agent described it to me, is uh, you're too short and too fat to do runway, but if you photograph well, we could probably get you paid. Huh. <laughs> he that's, is a real charmer. That's kind. Wow. So yep. He, yep. he buttered you up good. Uh, he, he did. Um, and pin-up stuff um, generally is where you're not doing, like, nude stuff. It's mostly, like, implied or bathing suits or things like that. Like, I have things that I totally won't do. Because I don't, I don't want to subject the world to going blind instantly. <laughs> their eyes just burn out of their skull. I'm sure that wouldn't happen right away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess I was just curious because, well, I wanted to ask you how how you break into modeling. But first, I wanted to tell you because I have no idea. I mean, about modeling really. But I wanted to give you my what's in my head of how a model becomes in that world. So I, I picture you walking down the street. And you've got, um, you've got coffee? Would you have a coffee or a smoothie? Um, I'd probably have hot tea. Hot tea? I'm a hot tea person, yeah. Right in both. All right. Um, and somebody's just standing on the corner and says, I think you look nice. You should be a model. And that's when you go, oh my God, you're totally right. <laughs> and, you, uh. and, and you go into the model store and you say... <laughs> I want to be a model now. And they said, all right, we can do that for you. And they take you into the modelizer, <laughs> which, uh, first of all, most importantly, it implants the uh, posing gland that <laughs> we're not born with, but, but you need that. So, and and it, what it does is it picks up on a camera lens. And, it's, and as soon as it does that, you strike a pose. It takes all the you know stress out of it, tension, and, and then it's just very natural. Also, it makes your eyes sparklier. And stuff. So, how accurate? <laughs> that's, how accurate that is, is pretty. That is pretty off base. <laughs> um, <laughs> generally, if you are walking anywhere and someone jumps out and says, "You should be a model. Here's my card," they basically just want to charge you a lot of money for pictures, and it's generally a scam. Um, so don't, don't do it. Um, the way that I got into it, I am not, uh, young. I'm, I've, I'm kind of an old lady a little bit. Uh, so the fact that I'm still around doing it is kind of cool. Um, but what happened was the internet had kind of just become a thing. Um, when I was 18 and there were a couple of sites that were like, we're looking for, you know, print girls, we just want to put, you know, put up these pictures and whatever, and that's what we're going to do. Send your, you know, photographic information in and we'll see if we want to work with you. 
and you know, I did it. I you know emailed and snail mailed, and um, I got you know some responses back, and started working from there. Um, and now I've been doing it so long that kind of, it's just kind of funny. Like I never, I guess I never thought it would have turned into my my main my main thing besides stand up. But um, it was you know, like I feel bad for the girls now who are starting out in the industry because there's just I mean there are sites everywhere and it, mm-hmm. um, you know and it's so hard to get noticed or to get I mean even if they do send in their information it can be months before they hear anything back but um, and the angles learning to learning to pose and stuff like that are things that you just kind of pick up um, you know along the way I don't think I, I did not really know what I was doing the first time I got in front of a camera, but you got like there are now. For me, it's really automatic. I know to put my chin down, turn my head to the left, because that's my better side. And you know, push your shoulders down, put your neck up, hands on your hips. Generally, will make you look center. Turn at an angle. Like there's just all kinds. Like I can rattle it off, um, which is handy when you're on a shoot and the photographer keeps looking at stuff and going, "This is not." what we wanted to get or, the, or you know, I don't think we found the shots we're looking for. So, you know, sort of how to make adjustments. Um, and a fun fact that I think most people don't realize is that most of the girls who I've worked with in the industry for a long time um, are so the anti-model as soon as we're not at work. Like we are in sweats, no makeup, we're burping, we're watching Full Metal Alchemist, we're like you know, hanging, hanging out and just being, you know, silly people. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, well, in most cases, pretty much everybody, you don't want your job to be your whole life because then you'll either be sick of your job or your whole life, especially if they're kind of the same thing. So Mm -hmm. I can definitely see that as soon as you get out of the, you know, the studio where the shoot is, you just want to turn it off. You do. And I mean, there are, I've had like guy friends of mine who are like, oh my gosh, you're hanging out with your other print friends and you guys are going out you know to bars tonight i bet you're all gonna look amazing and we're like no we're mm -mm. raise your hand if you feel like doing hair and makeup nobody okay (laughs) yeah it's uh it's one of those things but you know i and um another cool thing that i like is it's not just male fans we have we have a lot of of females and some of the coolest like messages that i get are from you know girls who will say things like you do stand up, you run this company, you're in your 30s, you're a mom of two, like, you're really cool, and, you know, that's why I'm a, a fan of your pinup stuff. I think that's awesome. And I'm like, that's that's kind of what it what it should be. It's awesome, you know, to have other women recognize that, I don't know, that we're not just, like, brainless drones. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're out there, you know, you're performing a job. This is what it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're there's people behind the job. And oh yeah. There's there's a disconnect for a lot of people there. They don't quite get that. I never understood why they can't follow that line of logic. But yeah, but I mean, there there are some some things that you know, for a girl, when you are just having a oh my gosh, I feel like troll day, and then I'll get to post like one of my new a picture from one of my recent shoots on my Twitter, and then my Twitter page will crash mm. from. Which it, I'm like, oh, yay! I did feel like a troll, but you guys disagree, so thank you. 
that's nice. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I somebody did something bad outside. Apparently, I don't know if you can hear that. No. Uh, okay, there. Car alarm. Ah, uh, no, uh, I did not hear that at all. You should not try to steal cars while you're doing interviews. I know. I mean, people tell me to quit multitasking. Then you just don't do either job right. But do I listen? No. Uh, but yeah. So, so you have Savage Mouse. Mm-hmm. And what's the name? Uh, is that just the comedy, or is that the modeling also? No, uh, that's that's the comedy. Um, my modeling is I've LLC'd myself. This is how much of an independent woman mm-hmm. I am. So I am my own manager, my own agent. I set my own schedule, and I. I get to keep everything if I don't owe a booker a dime. You know, I've worked hard to make the connections and yeah. to, to do it on my own, which is what I would also recommend to any, any girl in the industry. Like, if you want to be taken seriously, you have to show people. Um, one, that you can do whatever the job is that you want to do, but two, that you have a business sense because there are a lot of people out there with talent or who are pretty that have absolutely no knowledge about the business side at all they don't know how to do promotions correctly mm-hmm. um and it's a huge you know it is a a huge deal i wake up you know every morning i'm like on my computer for a couple hours like returning messages and trying to promote things and trying to set up things on all on you know all fronts um constantly you know booking things for six months out a year out um so that i can financially plan for myself for my businesses so i can set a schedule that i'm comfortable with um it's a lot of work but it's worth it i it's extremely rewarding to just sit back and go yep i did this on my own oh yeah yeah i can definitely see that and i mean yeah i mean maybe that's not for you know all people to be able to go into business but if you can why wouldn't you Mm -hmm. because it can only be more fulfilling you know it is and it's you know I loved the team I had around me um, when I was coming up in the industry. But once I understood what to do and how I could do it on my own, the best thing I ever did was fire them. And they got it. They knew I was a smart kid. I paid attention you know, to what I saw each person doing. Uh, and I learned so much just from the time that, that I spent. And once I figured it out, I'm, I was extremely happy when I thought, oh, my goodness, I can. I can do this by myself um maybe when i get you know tired of that i can you know bring some girls in on my own and you never know i'll have a have a stable of comics and models and one group will really want to talk to the other one and the other group will not reciprocate that on any level <laughs> so yeah. that that could be you could do runway comedy i don't know how that would play out though <laughs> i think i would just prefer to be an agent for, for the girls um, yeah. but it's um, you know and keeping up with the boys sometimes is just sort of like running a pet rescue <laughs> wow <laughs> you know I found them and cleaned them up and now you know I'm trying to teach them how to be good at comedy so I can turn them over to someone else <laughs> yeah have your uh, comedian spayed or neutered. Yeah, exactly. Spay and neuter all your pets, your comics, and your weird relatives. Make sure that you do that. Because yeah. there's nothing worse than weird relatives with weird yeah. offspring. 
<laughs> yeah, it's just it's just odd, and nobody really wants them at Hanukkah, so she just yeah. nips that in the butt immediately. <laughs> now you do have a little bit of an unusual uh, matchup heritage, which I can I, relate to, but I do. I um, I am biracial, and by that, I, my dad is black. My mother uh, was Jewish. She's actually uh, an Iranian Jew or Persian whatever people are calling it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were both uh, minorities in the places that they came from. And um, I grew up in a pretty pretty tight Orthodox family. We were Hasidic. That's the people who study Kabbalah and Zohar and stuff like that. It's Jewish mysticism. Mm-hmm. Um, and the technical term for that there are Ashkenazi Jews, which are the Eastern European. I'm Sephardic. So the like... Basically, if you're Jewish and brown and from like the Middle East, Spain, Portugal, like all that craziness. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are the hard partying Jews. It's like, <laughs> when my friends, when my friends will say, oh man, Rosh Hashanah is so boring. I'm like, really? Because we get <laughs> wasted, man. We get, yeah, my break the fast parties for Yom Kippur will go till like three or four in the morning. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, and we, like, I just can't even wrap my brain around that. I'm like, man, Passover is amazing. You're just wasted the whole time. Your family is so much more tolerable when you have whiskey. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much true in any religious background or ethnic background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So many, so many Christmases, my cousins are like, is this the one where we spike the punch bowl? But, <laughs> yeah, I can, yeah. <laughs> I think that should be every Christmas. You spike yes. the punch bowl. I will. Th- this this year is when the tradition starts. <laughs> Convince me. Don't let me down. Don't let me down. Oh, I won't. No. <laughs> I think, think, think you're going to have the best Christmas you've ever had. You're welcome in advance. Okay. I, I will hold my thank you till afterward. <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> just in case it goes really horribly south. But, <laughs> and, uh, I, and yeah, I've got... I have... Um, I have um, all male siblings. Um, I'm the only girl and the baby. And um, my oldest brother, I actually owe him quite a lot of credit for my first stand-up sets that I did um, because I made fun of him so much. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Because Uh, the second I tell people that my oldest brother, for a living, okay, writes, RPG books, role-playing game <laughs> books. Yeah. Um, Fun. Yeah. As soon as I announce that information to an audience, they're like, that's a very special kind of nerd. <laughs> and, and he is, uh, he's definitely, like, we're, we're weird. And I was, we actually will get in debates because my brothers and I compete about everything. <laughs> and he said, you know, Amy, what you do, because I'm like, my job is so much cooler than yours, and your job is stupid, and you're <laughs> ugly, and you're my brother. And I'm um, like, you do. And, yeah. um, and he said, you know, basically, we kind of have the same job, because essentially what we both do is creative writing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, except that, like, my job involves public speaking, and your job involves you being a hermit to show other hermits <laughs> how to stay a hermit. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was about accurate. to say. Mm. Oh, that's pretty <laughs> special. Yeah. 
Well, I told him he is making the world a better place by convincing ugly people to stay indoors. He's giving them like a reason to never leave the house, which, which is which is funny. Which is funny only because my boyfriend is a hardcore RPG fan. <laughs> Like, I, have to, I feel like I have to preface that joke now when I'm like, I can say that because not only is my brother right, but like when I call those people ugly and nerds, like, that's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, not that I haven't been there myself, but I'm, I wonder if I've read any of his work. Um, probably. I'll, you know what? I will look up his stuff and email it. He's been doing it for so long that I'm like, if you've done, he most recently the thing he did was a complete collection of all the Marvel villains. So there's like an encyclopedia. I think there's like three or four volumes. Um, And he, yeah, he did, he was a, I mean, they had several writers. He was one of the contributing writers for that, um, which um, my nerd friends think is cool. My 10 year old thinks it's awesome because she's a huge comic book fan and I'm a closet comic book fan. Mm. Um, so that's kind of cool. And it gives me street cred a little bit with when I walk into like, you know, comic book stores. Hell yeah. And I'm like, yeah, so that happened. So now I'm cool. Don't, don't, uh, don't jerk me around there, buddy. Yeah. Um, and he's done a lot of like, I think like some stuff for Dungeons and Dragons or variations on it or whatever. So it's kind of a, kind mm-hmm. of a, a neat thing. Yeah. I don't know why I felt the need to plug my brother, I guess, to apologize for making fun of him for like two years straight. Uh, there you go. <laughs> this makes up for it totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's totally going to be like, you know what? She is a pretty good little sister. Yeah. Wow. Older brothers. I can see, I guess, especially with you being the youngest and the only girl, I could just see you going out with this phalanx of brothers around. Be like, nope. <laughs> nope, guys. Nope. Yeah, they were they were like that to other guys. Me, they beat the crap out of, <laughs> and and they just oh, they were awful to me. I mean, they still are. I mean, we were we were at uh, Rosh Hashanah this year, and Paul got to witness a tradition in my family that we've been doing since we were children, which is uh, every year on Rosh Hashanah, once everybody's wasted, my brothers like to play toss the sister, mm. and they will throw me back and forth. Or one of them will throw me on a shoulder and swing me around until I puke or get accidentally hit in the head with something. So they're they're Ooh. a good bunch. Yeah. They're they, good. They you say are, that, then follow it with they're a good bunch. They, they are. Well, you know, I mean to um to I, I really have to give them a lot of credit for always um kind of I always wanted to play with them when I was a kid and you know, if it was basketball or football or whatever, I just want to hang out with my brothers. And um, the first time I ever played basketball with my with my brothers, they made a point of fouling me really hard, um, so that I wouldn't so that I wouldn't want to play. And I went over to the bench at the at the playground and I sat down and I started crying. And uh, one of my brothers came over and he said he put his arm around me and he said, "Look, we can treat you like a girl, or we can treat you like everybody else. And which one do you want?" And I said, I want you to treat me like everybody else. So I got out there and started fouling them too. And mm. <laughs> it's sort of that, ex- you know, those little things in life, realizing that they did see me as their equal, that's kind of always made me go, oh, is that a barrier that you've put up for women or minorities? I'm just going to knock that down. Don't mind yeah. me. I don't really acknowledge well, that existing. So 
Whatever. <laughs> that's yeah, that's really interesting that they well, I mean back then you saw that as them doing it to you mm -hmm. and you realized later they were doing it for you. Exactly. They are yeah, I really now I'll probably never tell them that. <laughs> Like to their face, to their face. I'm like, you're useless, and I was mom's favorite. So, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can only do that to your family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But they are, they are. Yeah, I do love them. That and the fact that I totally know like a million ways to restrain someone if they ever like came at me. I could, I could like get them in a headlock and like fart on them or something. I don't know. That's, <laughs> those, are the, those are the things that, that I learned in my house. A million ways to restrain someone to get them to where you could burp in their face or whatever. But if that was a mugger, like, I probably wouldn't restrain them. I might burp. Yeah. I, might. I mean, well, if you can if you can bring one up. You might get nervous and, you know, yeah. point one end at them and it comes out the other one. You're like, <laughs> like, oh, I screwed that up. I screwed that. I'm going to let you go. I want you to come at me again. <laughs> <laughs> Take two. Action. Let me, just, let me also pound this root beer really quickly. Just, just okay. end up confusing the hell out of them and they leave for that reason. They're like, ah, I don't think I want whatever you have. Yeah. Yeah. And be like, um, so she's an insane person. <laughs> think, they'll probably think if they take your purse, it'll just be like full of bananas. And yeah. Like, I would steal your purse, but I'm sure that that is a giant bag of crazy. It's just, that's <laughs> all it's got to be in there is like, pills and human heads and other various insanity accoutrements. Yeah, they're like, I've got enough time left tonight, I think I can hit somebody else. Okay, bye! <laughs> yeah. uh, toss the sister. Yes, toss the sister. That is, and well, I mean, they're all a lot bigger than, most people are bigger than me, really, in the world. Um, in the world. Um, yeah, well, because I'm only, I'm only five four and a half maybe five five on a good day mm. and um generally i hang out at about uh buck ten bucks a scene um mm. so i'm a petite person and my brothers are all over six feet tall ah okay yeah <laughs> and so they are they get their height from my dad's side of the family obviously um, and you did not. <laughs> I did not. I People have often said that I am nearly a carbon copy of my mother, at least in physical appearance. Um, and she was tiny, um, but she was not somebody you'd want to mess with. She'd be very, very scary if we were not well behaved. I think like some of my favorite memories are like watching her pull like a kitchen chair over or stand on the coffee table to scold my brother and shake her finger in her face <laughs> on, on her tippy toes just to get to eye level. And they were so afraid. <laughs> As they were, well, they should have been. <laughs> yes, they should have been. There's, um, if she started yelling in Farsi or Hebrew, hit the deck because shit was going down. Like, we, we had to get to safety immediately. The bunker. <laughs> yeah, we had, get, we had to get to the bunker. I would just go under the bed until she figured out to look there. Oh, no. Don't you hate that? Yeah, but since I was the little one the and, you know, the youngest one, I would always be like, uh, Amin told me to do it. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know I couldn't do that. 
<laughs> but you should probably talk to talk to Davi and Baruch and Amin and Koya and they they, just, they made me do it. They didn't tell me they made me do it. So now you guys are in trouble twice. <laughs> <laughs> in trouble twice. Yeah. Uh, you led your sister astray, how dare you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're standing behind her like <laughs> Yeah, I'm just standing there like rolling my fingers together like an evil villain. Because, like, <laughs> I mean, they can't do anything about it. Cause, I mean, if they do say, no, we didn't. Yeah, then it looks like they're obviously lying, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and they were always being mean to me, so it seemed totally believable. Right. Easy to sell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was fun. I was, there, was, uh, there was one time when I was a kid, I got uh, upset again when my brother's not letting me play with them. And I said, you guys just treat me like I'm useless and I'm sick of it. And my, my brother Davi said, um, you're not useless. Like, you are the only person who can fit behind the TV to get our army men when we shoot them back there. <laughs> so, like, you have a purpose in life. <laughs> and, um, I was like, well, that's my purpose in life. You know what? Okay. You guys either let me play. Or I'm not getting any more army men. And they would be like, oh, you're going to get those army men. Whether we <laughs> let you play or not. Uh, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a very odd, like, trying to maintain my girliness. I would show up and be like, who wants to play princess? And they'd be like, Ami, we've got something even better for you today. Instead of playing princess, all right? You're going to play running back. <laughs> um, and I thought that was awesome until I realized that it was just an excuse for them to tackle the living shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. I'm like, you guys tricked me into letting you dogpile me like multiple times and I signed up for this. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I bet if they did it often enough, though, you'd, you'd start to not realize anymore that it was happening with the brain damage. Right. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, you know, I used to say, you know, I don't care because you guys can't tackle what you can't catch. I know I'm faster than you. <laughs> and um, that was a gigantic miscalculation on my end, let me tell you. Yeah. I mean, even if they weren't, that they would just, you know, start doing sprints until they were faster. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Yeah. They were, I mean, they're like one, one leg could go like further in just a basic walking stride than I could. Yeah. So I learned to bottom weave at an early age. <laughs> Yeah, that is different than uh, my childhood experience. I did not learn to bob and weave, sadly. Which, uh oh. Yeah, I regret it to this day. But. Well, you should have had older brothers. That's kind of your fault. I mean, it's only you thought. Why did I get born first? Right. <laughs> right. So, what's your earliest memory then? My earliest memory, just in general? Yeah, because I'm always interested to ask people this, just um, because. I can remember being just because of the house we were in. So I know that I had to be around three years old because once I was more than three, we, we had moved into another house. And I remember um, my mom and dad on the floor trying to teach me how to do a forward roll. <laughs> um and, you know, them just being like, look, it's easy. Just, you know, try it. Put your hands on the ground your head and roll. And I remember um, my dad doing a forward roll, like coming in my direction with a finger on the other hand. <laughs> and I 
what I remember is like a quick memory, but I definitely remember that. Mm. Oh. <laughs> and I think it's probably one of my favorite memories is one of the few times where I had the attention of both my parents and my brothers were nowhere around that I can remember that I can remember. They could have been standing behind me sharpening knives. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she can't have them both. Yes. I just, I don't know. I don't know why that fascinates me so much. I guess it's because we lose so much of our childhood, you know, when you get older. Because my earliest memory is me and one of my cousins taking all the toys out of the toy box and hiding inside it. <laughs> and, of course, the next logical step was my mother yelling at us. But right, like you kids threw all this stuff on the floor. Now we all have to clean it up. Right, like in theory, that was an awesome idea. Yeah, it was probably really fun before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I remember. I definitely remember that. And um, and I remember having a rocking horse in that house and getting in trouble because my fingernails had just been painted, and I went to rock on the rocking horse and screwed up my fingernail polish and got it on the rocking horse. <laughs> on the horse. Yeah. So that's, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. And um, there, you know, there was just all kinds of fun stuff going on in my house constantly. I don't know how my mother maintained her sanity. Yeah. Probably with some kind of chemical offset. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. She's, I give my, I give my brothers a hard time for being mean to me, but there was like um, most of, well, the last six, we were all Irish twins. So we were all within about a year, so 18 months of each other. Yeah. Um, when I went to high school, you know, I had a brother in 10th grade, one in 11th grade, one in 12th grade. All of them played football, played basketball. Um, and it was really neat. And they would, you know, they'd make fun of me and, you know, razz me and be like, oh, you're such a nerd. <laughs> um, but there were the, uh, my, my freshman year in high school, I had, um, I made the, the varsity cheerleading squad and I was really excited about the, this homecoming routine. We've been working really hard on it. Um, and everybody had to go at halftime. They had to go get yelled at or whatever. Mm-hmm. And all three of my brothers were like, um, we get it coach that you're mad, but we can't miss seeing her do this. Is could we like time out just long enough to watch? Cause it's really important to her and it's important to our mom and dad. So can we just like be at the end of the tunnel and just watch? And then, and the coach was like, that's about the nicest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Yes. Please go watch your little sister. Um, And they never would have told me about it. uh, But it was the other guys on the team were like, no, sister. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Yeah. That is sweet. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was sweet. They're like, okay, we get it. We're going to be yelled at, but give us like two minutes and 30 seconds to watch her. (laughs) <laughs> that's not a lot to ask it's not and it was just the three of them so it wasn't really I mean, I just in my mind like that's so funny just the coach being that taken aback by like uh, sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I can't see can't see any other reaction from that I can't imagine the heartless bastard of a coach that'd be like no no <laughs> you can't you may, do that you may not go watch your little sister and you tell your mom and dad said screw off in fact, I'm going to knock over your little sister. Yeah, I'm going to go tackle her right now. Then I'm going to kick a puppy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Oh, yeah, that was funny. 
So that's a fun thing that I've shared for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, you shared it for a very good reason because it's awesome. It is. And, and it kind of, it's like we do things like that. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm going to headlock and fart on this. Fine. I love you guys. <laughs> yeah. I'll let it happen this time because once you defied the coach. Mm hmm. I'm like, now I owe you a debt because you stood up at a yelling coach and said, I have to go watch her. She cares about pom poms. <laughs> and and so there there was that. And that was like the last time they've ever been nice to me in my entire life. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I do comedy <laughs> because yes. of that. Yeah, and I'm sure that that works in there a lot with stand up. It, it does. I mean, they're just like, you know, things that I guess like I've had somewhat unique experience in life. So, you know, to be able to kind of see the world in a different way, I think is is fun to be able to share that, you know, with people in whatever way that you do it, whether it's, you know, to tell jokes or to write music or you know, but to open people's eyes up to things that they might not have been aware of before, I think it does yeah. kind of make the world a better place. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, I would hope, but that's what most people look for in whatever art they're into seeking, you know, in film or comedy or music, that they want to see something different. I mean, maybe some familiarity just so they can identify with it, but you're just watching a bunch of stuff that you know you already know it's not going to be entertaining so right i mean unless and there's only so many different ways that you can spend you know the average american experience before you're like oh wow like you had a completely different experience and you're making fun of it that's neat but i like the idea too of kind of you know when i i do go on stage and talk about you know my culture and things like that i like the idea of sort of getting to demystify it for people and that's something that, because I think, you know, intolerance does get caused by people just simply not understanding or being in a position to take the time to learn about other cultures. I mean, if you want to learn about, you know, most of the cultures in America, you're going to be extremely busy for like your whole life <laughs> because there are so many diverse people here. Um, I think to present it in, I like to call it edutainment. Uh, edutainment. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, this is what we do. And here's why it's funny. Yeah. I mean, and then that way they can be like, they won't, they, they won't go home still thinking that you arrived on a magic carpet and all these other crazy things that just, you know, do you, right. do you wear a turban? Just complete disconnect. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a lamp with a genie in it? I do. <laughs> just, yeah. just fuck like, <laughs> Yeah. I like, well, I like to tell people that, like, of course I have a magic carpet. Like, oh, you mean like the floor covering? I know, no, I don't have that. Euphemism. Ooh, I see what you slipped in. There. Yep, yep. Um, <clears throat> and that was a double entendre. But mm, I'm sorry. It was. You're. It was. You're right. <laughs> you're right. And I'm an idiot. No, not today. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, darling. Um, uh. Thanks. So I had a question for you, and I think this is the only time I'm ever going to get a good answer. Um, do you prefer comedian or comedian? Um, comedian. I don't like to. I don't like to have a crowbar separation that I'm a girl. Um, because yeah, <laughs> I, I think of myself as just a, a comic, just in general. Um, 
but I don't like it when people say comedian or girl comic or lady comic or I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just a comic and I don't like, I stand out enough in life <laughs> 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 existing that I, I guess for me, there's, it seems that there is, um, it's almost a way of people showing like, Oh, this is some, you know, affirmative action mad. It's a girl with a girl on the show. Like, no, I, I don't want anything because, you know, of some outside thing I have no control over. I want opportunities because I earned them. Yeah, right. You don't want to be the dancing bear. Mm-mm. You just want to be another comic. Right. So. And I, I've definitely had people when I first started out in comedy, they would book me on these, like, predominantly female shows. Um, and they would book me on things where, like, I was supposed to be the gentle, feminine angle and i don't have any girl jokes like i don't do normal like normal female comics will do generally like relationship jokes and period jokes and you know boy guys are dumb and i like it when they buy me shoes and and i I don't have any stuff like that um which is you know sometimes it's annoying but it's funny that you know i would get put on these shows and they would hear my material and be like um you are not a delicate flower. So that, <laughs> you know, I do a lot of, um, like, observational humor and, you know, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's fun. I've even got, I, I, now I'll do, you know, I'll throw in stuff where I'll be like, so tampons, ladies, am I right? See, I can do girl jokes. Look at me. <laughs> um, and that's just kind of me making fun of, the, you know, because when I was told, well, you should... You're a girl comic, you need to do girl comic jokes. I'm like, that's funny because that wasn't in the rule book I was handed. <laughs> yeah, um, I must have been absent that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not. I did not catch that one. I'm sorry, but I, the, the feedback that I get generally from women um, is positive. Like, I'll come off stage, and more often than not, they'll say things to me like, and as soon as you got up there, I thought, oh my gosh, I have a friend like that, or I want to be her friend, or you know, she seems cool or funny or you know because while relationships are funny and menstruation cycles are hilarious (laughs) most women don't think that way all the time you know they they think the same things that i think like this driver in front of me is an asshole and your bumper sticker is a great way to let me know that we should never be friends yeah you know so you know we all think the same we think guy things more often than I think people realize. Yeah. Because I hate to break it to some of my audience, but women are people too. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it just came out in the news. So (laughs) it's, it's, it's pretty, it's Facebook official now. (laughs) It's Facebook official. It is, it is Facebook official. Um, (laughs) But yeah, but you know, women, and I think too, pander to them in a way that is a farce does them a discredit as audience members yeah. um, because you know women women like movies they like video games they think people are dumb they find the same things funny that guys do there are a lot of women I know who aren't aren't stand-up comics but love stand-up comedy because they think you know they understand the humor they're not morons mm-hmm. and you know it doesn't have to be a situation where the humor is catered to them for them to get it. Um, and while I appreciate 
people having like all female comedy shows, and that might be cool on occasion, but I would rather get put on any lineup any day because I 100% deserve that spot, mm -hmm. um, not because I'm a girl or they want me to do you know particular type of of joke. And I think uh, most women would agree like they're they're pretty smart if you point out that like. Something most people think is dumb is dumb, and put a neat spin on it, they will get the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, there's no reason to include or exclude based on gender. I mean, right? There, well, there are a lot of uh, when they when people do shows that are like it's going to be all female comics. Not all of them, but in general, my experience has been they say that they do this because they want to create more opportunities for women. Um, and normally I don't see like a top notch lineup, mm. um, to give someone an opportunity or showcase a person who is not ready for it or is not of the caliber. Like I've seen the shows where it is an all female lineup and it's supposed to be about empowerment. And I sit there as a comic and an audience member and I'm like, please, everybody walk out here and kill it. Like I'm waiting, <laughs> I'm waiting. And some of them I'm just like, ugh. And then there'll be like, you know, one or two who are really good. And I'm like, oh my God, they're so good. Why are they on the show with these hacks? Like, what are they doing? Um, because you want, I want to be on solid lineups. I don't want to have any weak links. It's, it might possibly make you look a little bit better as a comic on the show, but I yeah, want to follow, I want to follow people who have the crowd's energy up, mm. not the crowd going, oh, it was painful to watch. Yeah, you don't you don't want to be the uh, the palate cleanser that has to erase their memory of the comic that was on before you. Yeah, you don't want to do that. You don't. You never want to be on a show with what I like to call walking in on grandparents having sex. You don't want to be that. Mm -hmm. um, that is is uncomfortable and traumatizing and is a difficult memory to immediately get rid of. Yeah. Nobody wants to follow. Nobody wants to follow that. No, well, you that yeah. That's a pretty vivid word picture. You just paint it there. Yeah, that's wordsmithing, my friend. <laughs> yes. I have, to, I have to paint a mental image when I do stuff that's gross. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Um, I guess her grandparents uh, in their underwear. That is, that is really weird. And you don't want to follow it because people don't really know how to react to it. They're like, oh, I wanted to be with you. Whereas, I, like the shows that I run when I book them, <clears throat> they are. You know, I, I want to give talented people opportunities, people who I know are really good, and I'm excited for people to see them, for an audience to see them. Um, and I don't care what their sexual orientation is, or what color they are, or what gender they are. Um, all I care about is that they are good. And Sa Savage Mouth, um, it was initially, it was me and a bunch of guys, um, most of whom were straight. And, you know, and then we started, we brought in my friend uh, Heidi, and she and I get along so great. Like, she'll come up with a crazy idea, and I'm like, yes, I'm with you, let's do it. I'll come up with a crazy idea, and she's like, let's, yes, absolutely, we should do that. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, it's fun, but we want people in there, you know, because they, they deserve to be part of it. And I'm, at the end of the day, while I could do favors uh, for other comics who I know, um, I am concerned about the venue owner being happy with the show that is put on, and yeah. I am concerned with the audience being entertained. 
And that's really my number one concern. And when I find people who I'm excited that I've seen on stage, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really like you. I can't wait to be the reason an audience knows who you are because it's going to be so fun. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, you know, I... I create opportunities for people too. I do get flack for that. They're like, well, you want a comedy crew? How come you don't put on more, you know, girl shows? And I'm like, have you met me? <laughs> I don't, that seems like a dumb question, really, yeah. at this point. It's like, well, give me a couple more girl comics who are awesome, and I will. Exactly. Exactly. Give me some who are good, and we'll, we've got something to work with then. And they're, you know, the ones who I do put on uh, SMC shows. Are they they will outshine the boys? I mean, they're just they're so good, um, and I'm I'm happy. I want quality, not quantity. And yeah. you know, I wanted opportunities in comedy too. But instead of sitting around and bitching at show promoters for not swinging something in my direction, I went out and did my own thing and I made it happen. Um, and so this idea of you know it's anyone else's responsibility to get you an opportunity is just ludicrous to me. How's it hanging? ADH Dweebs. Back to more of our 25th anniversary episode with D the DJ and Amy Sulam. Blood time. So that, that's my tangent on that. You know, make your own make your own breaks. Oh yeah, definitely. Blaze your own trail. Do it. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can do it. It'll be amazing. And you can set it in space and it'll be awesome. <laughs> yes, anything in space. Yeah, anything in space is amazing. Uh, just so everybody knows, we will be collaborating on my next book. It's going to be called Supermodel Comedians in Space. Yes, and it's going to be really cool and full of like space farting and alien penis jokes. Oh, yeah. And and then you're going to edit it and make it something normal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay. So for my audience's benefit, Amy hasn't known me long enough to know that that would never happen. <laughs> Did because you ne- never write the farting alien book? No, no. That that anything filtered through my brain would not come out more normal on the other end. Ah. It would come out ten times weirder. But <laughs> I knew I liked you immediately. <laughs> and Thank then you. you said things like that. And I'm just like, oh man, you are awesome. Thank you. You are also awesome. Thank you. And that is why we're spending this lovely time being awesome collectively yes it's gonna be just like an amazing supernova of awesomeness yes see space space (laughs) exactly i'm thinking about it now i was also just like what was running through my mind honestly when you were talking about making it weirder was how hilarious it would be to have aliens trying to light farts on fire in space because it would be impossible (laughs) (laughs) because it would just be dust (laughs) right but it would be like, I know, I saw this on, like, some satellite YouTube thing that we caught from Earth. <laughs> Why is it working? It totally works. It's a plausible scenario. <laughs> because it's, like, it's funny because it's aliens. It's also hilarious, but they don't understand how their atmosphere works. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, in my head, that would be Awesome. And that's how my brain works. Like, welcome to the sick, decrepit thing that runs my body. Well, wouldn't have it any other way. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't decry that that's what was going on. I just said that I'm on board with it. Right. <laughs> and that, and that, 
is kind of awesome. Yes. Space fart ignition. Yes. Space fart ignition. So that's the subtitle of the book. The title <laughs> of the book is actually Comedian Supermodels in Space, and then it's like Vacuum Fart Ignition is the subtitle. <laughs> And I would buy that immediately. Like, I would be on the list for the pre-sale. Because like, <laughs> just... with a title like that, like, you just know you're going to open it up and something amazing is going to happen to you when you read it. Yeah, you're like, this This could be really horrible, but I have to know. <laughs> it, could, it could be awful. It could be amazing. Either way, it's going to change my life. It's going to be awful on such a scale. <laughs> it will never be the same. The epicosity of the awfulness. It will be cosmic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's like the so, review on the back. Cosmically bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, we could, uh, <laughs> and guys, that's what happens when you get a Twitter account. You make friends like us. Come then, to Twitter. Yes, come to Twitter. Come to Twitter. And while you're there, follow me at Amy D. Seal. <laughs> yes. See? See how that's I did your, that? That's your who to follow for the day, which I do regularly do on my podcast. Actually, I do it irregularly, meaning it's lopsided. Um, but You should get some cosmic laxatives to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you ignite them with the cosmic Right. It just like explodes. No. <laughs> but it doesn't make a sound. <laughs> I don't even want to think what the cover would look like. <laughs> It'd just be like this like three headed creature holding this lighter behind it. <laughs> and frowning because it doesn't work. Yeah, and that would sell like a million copies. Oh yeah, we'd be we'd be New York Times. You know, oh, yeah. number one for the for that week. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, after that, the reviews come out. And then so. Yeah, they'll be, be like, yes, but has anyone actually read the content of the book? No, why would you need to? Yeah. All you need to do is buy it and have it. Right, and there's just a, look at it. Right, it's amazing. Like, the inside of the book could just say, look at the cover. <laughs> no, 500 pages of look at the cover. Yeah. In fact, it's just a flipbook that tells you to look at the cover. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a great idea. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's a thing that should happen. Are you sure? Yeah, totally. I feel like that would be a gift to humanity from us. Okay. Yeah, a gift like uh, the lump of coal in the stocking. Exactly. It's, we'd be telling humanity they've been very bad. Yeah. <laughs> Look what you look what you made us do. Yeah, see, you should you should have quit cutting down those rainforests and making up boots out of sheepskin. Because now you have this book. Yes, this is your punishment. We see fit. Ah, that's awesome. I thought so. That's why I had to just say it out loud. So coming soon to a Barnes and Noble movie. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to actually sell it at the Barnes and Noble, but I'm totally just going to take copies and leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> and then they take them up to the checkout and be like, uh, that's not ours. Yeah, it'll you... be like, uh, you left this. I'm like, no, that's for sale. 
They're like, you can, you can have it, because we don't want anything to do with it at all. <laughs> In fact, I'm pretty sure that uh, there's plenty of our higher-ups that would be angry if we sold it. So. I'll just give it away, but I'm not taking it back. <laughs> <laughs> if you need me, I'll be outside finding copies of that gem. <laughs> And then, I, then, then you're trying to leave, and like you and the employer playing hot potato, like throwing it back and forth. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what would happen. I'd be like, what, "Do you want me to sign it?" No, I want you to leave my store. <laughs> Never come back. I will staple this to your arm if it's what it takes <laughs> for you to leave the store with this one. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah. So that's a conversation that we just had. Yeah, apparently. I, I won't remember it, but then I'll go back to edit this podcast and I'll be like, what? <laughs> like, I knew she was odd. <laughs> that's That sounds like me talking. <laughs> but it can't. Uh, yeah, I had, we did a, um, I did a, a, a little thing in Knoxville one night. I got up to tell some jokes from one of my very good friends, um, is a stand-up comic out of Knoxville um, named J.C. Ratliff, um, and I love that guy to death. Um, <laughs> this is a room full of people who had never seen me before because um, we don't really run in the same comedy circles. It's hard to get J.C. and I on a show together mm. because our styles are so different, and normally you want your shows to kind of like make sense. Okay. Um, and so I got up and I was doing like all the awful jokes that I would never do like for a real audience. <laughs> and this, yeah, just all the like just sick, gross like jokes I have. And then this kid gets up to follow me and he goes, oh my God, I did not know that JC came in attractive. That's weird. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, boys. Yes, definitely. <laughs> That's like flattering and awkward at the same time. It was, yeah. I was happy to look over and see JC laugh at that <laughs> because he knows exactly uh, who I am when I step off stage and this is the person <laughs> that you've just met. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some things that like, I know I can't do because they just won't go over for a general audience. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, e even I've run into that. Uh, in fact, like a week ago, I made what I thought was a fairly innocent joke on Facebook that got me defriended. And I was like, Oh, Hey, okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was somebody I, I didn't know real well. Mm -hmm. And I was like, know your audience. Damn it. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, no, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the worst. Like I, I've gotten, uh, I've had people defriend me after some posts I'll put up and I will immediately check the, the uh, deleted me app yeah. on my phone. I'll check it throughout the day, and I'm like, oh, somebody doesn't have balls. <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's tough, but I think you know people have to also understand that you know it's an art form, and a lot of times I think our job as comics is to hold up a mirror. And go, no, really, this is what you look like. Yeah. Um, and some people can't handle that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, so it isn't really that, you know, we've crossed the line. It's more that some people can't handle the truth. They just can't. 
Yeah. Um, I, they just didn't hear it when Jack Nicholson said it. So. Right. But I, I always say, you know, I'm going to get up and give my sense on the way that I see the world. You may see it differently. That doesn't make it less valid because it's not your point of view. It just makes it less valid because I am on stage with a mic and you're not. <laughs> yeah. Neener, um, neener. Yeah. So, <laughs> suck on that. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you do what you want to do and then they can go screw themselves. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I had people who, they weren't even really, you know, they were audience, definitely. Uh, they did not take very kindly to me uh, supporting the LBGT equal rights movement that's still going on. But I mean, when it was fast and furious last year, mm-hmm. um, I lost people. I gained more people than I lost. But I'm like, yeah. you know, if you're an ignorant bigot, I kind of don't want you at my shows. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I'll say that now. Anybody who is an ignorant bigot can get off my podcast. <laughs> yeah, so. you can, yeah, you can. You can go. Um, but there were, yeah, I mean, I came out, you know, I came out swinging, um, on <laughs> shows and on Facebook and on Twitter, um, because, you know, growing up the way that I did, I grew up biracial and a minority religion in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen injustice. I've seen both of my, my parents go through it, address it, deal with it, try to make the world a better place for other people. And that's where I came from. Um, I hate to see uh, anyone get stepped on for, especially for something they have no control over. Yeah. Um, and when all they want to do is be happy and live their life, what people do in the privacy of their own home is nobody's business. Um, exactly. How people live their lives is nobody's business. You don't, like, yes, you might live in the same country as them, and that doesn't mean that they have to be your sexual orientation, practice your religion, be the same color as you, be, you know, they don't have to fall in line in any way, shape, or form with your belief system. And that's cool if you are adamant that same-sex marriage shouldn't be a thing. That's cool. Here's the deal. I don't want to hear the garbage that is going to spew out of your mouth. So it's probably better that, you know, you don't show up in my news feed. And you are entitled to your opinion, but I'm entitled to not listen to it and just think you're full of shit. Yes, exactly. So... I mean- it's just, I mean, even, I'll go so far as to say that most of those things, that all of those things are beyond people's control and you can't help what you are. Even, I'd even say religion. I mean, obviously you follow mm-hmm. that religion because it's part of your mindset. So telling somebody else their religion sucks, you're not really going to go anywhere with that. You're not going to get any further than in the front door because... Right. Yeah, because nobody's going to hear them. And for, you know... For people, when they grow up in a religion and a culture, it's such a part of who you are yeah. that, um, you know, even if you leave it later in life and, you know, join something else or become an atheist or whatever it is, that you're still, it, it's so much a piece of who you are. I am obviously not a practicing Orthodox Hasid, um, but, you know, there are things that I hold on to culturally that I get what, you know, that other people may disagree with or don't like and that's fine you're entitled to your opinion but you're never going to change my mind on certain things mm-hmm. because it's such a core part of my values that I just can't and I don't think I can ever let it go and so that's you know I, I get where people are coming from 
on that. But I mean, I grew up in a religion that teaches you to question everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's even um, a line in the Zohar that says, any teacher who tells you they have all the answers will run in the other direction from them. They are not a real teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a fool. So, I, you know, that's what I grew up with. I'm like, mm, you think you have all the answers? <laughs> My religion says you are crazy. Yep. You need to. It's so much healthier to question everything at least one time. Even if, even if all you do is, is think about it one time, really critically, and reach a decision and stick with it, at least you thought of it critically one time. Yep. Which is, which is more than I can say for a lot of people, unfortunately. Yeah, they, they don't they do not do that. They're just like, oh, this is what I've always been told, so that must be right. Like, I actually had a guy who was like, so are you telling me you think my granddaddy is wrong? And I'm like, I get that he might be, like, an important person in your life, but I don't know that asshole. And yeah, he's wrong. He's wrong. Like, I don't, you know. Obviously, the the granddaddy of some person I've never met before, he should be the most influential figure in my life. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I mean, you know, I don't know if your grandfather was anything like my grandfather, but both my grandfathers were kind of assholes. (laughs) And they were kind of, you know, from a different time. Where, you know, they they grew up in a world where they didn't have things like, you know, indoor plumbing or equality. So, like, yeah. you know, that's that's kind of, you know, that's, that's a thing. No, your granddaddy's not right. And that just blew my mind because I'm like, is, that, is your grandfather the Pope? That can't be right. Somebody <laughs> told you he was infallible? That is weird. Uh, <laughs> the Pope. We have a pretty cool Pope now. Not, we do. Not, not we as in my religion, because it's not, but the, the right. world. The world has a, yes, the world has a cool, he is, he's kind of a, he's kind of a cool Pope. I, I actually like this guy. Yeah. I don't, he's sort of like, oh, he, he's done what I feel should have always been any religion stance, which is just like, uh, the world's a pretty awful place, guys. Bad things happen all the time. What about just spitballing ideas here? Uh, we love each other and don't judge each other because, you know, uh, genocide and war <laughs> exist. And maybe, just maybe, if we stopped being critical assholes, we could all work together and make this a better place. Like, in my mind, that's what I hear him saying. Yeah. And he may use slightly different language because, you know, Pope. But yeah. I, yeah, definitely. That's. Everything I've heard about him, that, that pretty much seems to be how he rolls. Yeah, and it's um, it's kind of cool. I like it. I like I like the guy. I think he's cool. I'd like to see him rock a mohawk. I feel like that's <laughs> not that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like yeah. Pope Francis the biker. Yeah, that would be awesome. I'd like to uh, see that. Yeah. So that's fun. Uh crazy world yes yes it is it is a crazy crazy world we even had a thing here in uh in tennessee a little over a year ago where they had people they were uh trying to pass a bill not only did they try to pass the don't say gay bill Mm -hmm. um they also tried to pass a uh, banning of sharia law bill Hmm. um which was just man my home state's fun um (laughs) 
But I, I just looked at that and at both of those, and I was embarrassed. <laughs> I was just like, this is making national news. And yeah. I mean, it, it seems like, you know, basically what they're trying to do is go, you know what we should legislate? Sending the clock back 50 years. <laughs> that's, that's what we're trying to do. And But I went in um, with several other of my friends to uh, a couple of, you know, protest against the banning Sharia law bill. I thought it was stupid and racist and pointed. Yeah. Um, and no matter what your religious affiliation is, when you see any group of people just gone after that way, that it's, it's thinly veiled racism. You know, you're not saving anybody's life. And it was almost, but there, there were people who, who didn't like that uh, on, on both sides of the fence. I had Jewish friends who did not like that I was trying to support people who were clearly um, being attacked for no valid reason. And, you know, that I'm like, that's cool. If you think that it's a thing that should happen, then I, you've just let me know in a sentence that we don't need to be friends. This is, is very mm, clearly yeah. pointed in the direction of one specific group, and that's disgusting. It's disgusting. And to watch the lawmakers, and when I sat in and, and watched them, you know, give their their debates on both sides to see why this law should be passed or not passed, they could not name any specific incident mm. in where Sharia law had caused the life of anyone in the state or led to the harm of, of anyone in the state. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, to just go, so your argument is other stuff happened in other places to people whose names you can't produce and you did know that you were addressing, like, I don't know, your constituents and your co-workers, and, but you didn't bother to get, like, names, dates, other things that, I don't know, make it a fact. Um, yeah. And, you know, while there are some bad things that have happened, you know, people are, are crazy. And if religion is going to be the vehicle they use to be crazy, you can't really stop that. The bigger thing was, you know, there are things like people having the freedom to uh, you know, pray five times a day. And if Sharia law were banned, uh, they wouldn't be able to do that in any public place. Uh, pe people who are very devoted to their religion, well, I don't get it because I'm like, that's that's a lot of work. Um, but yeah. I do agree that they should have the right to do that and to make that a ticketable or jailable offense in a country that says you have you know, freedom of religion and freedom of speech seems a wee bit off to me. A wee bit off. Yes. I'm like, I don't know what you guys have been doing, but I want like a pound of it at least because that is... I mean, I don't know what they were contaminating the flavor aid with, but apparently, <laughs> you know, people were buying into it and it was all just, you know, it was, it was racism. It just shocks me how quickly people... Um, we're gonna we're gonna get on board with it. And it reminded me of um, watching uh, Star Wars, right? When uh, when Princess Amidala goes, and this is how democracy dies with roaring applause. Okay, I think that was Richard. Uh, it, it wasn't the one of the three. It was the uh, uh, the newer ones. Yeah, the prequels. Um, and so I was like, oh man, because it was totally 
politics were totally fun in both situations to get people on board for a bad idea. Yeah, and it's it's sad how often it goes on in this country, but well, it goes on all over the world. It just yeah, it just <laughs> in this country it affects me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I notice I notice it because you know, especially when it's in your own country, it's, you really have to bury your head in the sand to miss it, which yeah. A lot of people do, but so, it, yeah, it's it's pretty awful. Just I'm thinking about all the stand your ground laws mm-hmm. and anti-immigration laws and other. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, I had a situation. I actually wrote a joke about it because uh, that's what I do. <laughs> there was a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, when I speak to my family members, generally we either speak in, in Hebrew normally um, because we just grew up doing that. I was on the phone with one of my brothers standing outside a gas station, and this guy walks by. I've never met him. I don't know him. He walks by and turns around and says to me, not really yelling, but in a very firm tone of voice, and said, you're in America. Quit talking Muslim and learn how to talk English. Yeah. Um, I immediately wrote a joke about that. I was like, um, yeah. first of all, not talking Muslim, because that's not a language. And yeah. also... I knew I was in America because you thought Muslim was a language. So we're actually <laughs> good on all fronts. We're good on all fronts. <laughs> Very nice of them. Freedom has been preserved. Freedom to be. <laughs> yep. Like it's, you know, and what if I really was a crazy terrorist? Like, why would you say something like that to someone who is a crazy terrorist? Yeah. Like, yeah, I would. I'd want to stand out as little to that person as possible if I thought that they possessed any real power to end my life. Yeah. I remember one time I was in a bus station and I had some stupid high school kid was just like, are you Osama? (laughs) And I was like, yes. (laughs) That's something I would do. And Um, they were like, what? What? Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm right here. Sure. Why wouldn't I be in a bus station in Belleville, Illinois? Yeah, that's, without a dialysis machine. Uh, that's where I'd be hiding. Yeah. Oh, man. People are very special. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I saw a, a Facebook post. Uh, one of my friends, he's, uh, he's native. Uh, one of her friends had been in line at the grocery store. And she was on... Uh, she was on her phone talking to her family and the guy in front mm-hmm. of her turns around and goes, if you want to speak Mexican, why don't you go back to Mexico? And, and, and she was like, actually, I'm speaking Navajo. If you want to speak English, why don't you go back to England? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the fact that they can't even tell the difference. <laughs> I posted on, um, on Facebook one time and said, uh, this is America. Now, let me preface this by telling you that I know that the language of Cherokee Nation is Tuswagi or Tuswagi. I may be, I'm probably murdering the pronunciation, but I just put, so I post on Facebook. This is America. Either learn to speak Tuswagi or get the hell out. And, and I got such a huge reaction. Most of my friends were like, I totally had to Google that. And I was like, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome that you've just learned something. Yeah. It, the best moments are when you can be hilarious and educated. Yeah, and I feel like that was probably the last time that's ever going to happen. Um, 
but and like I said, I'm sure that I've murdered the pronunciation of it, but it was uh, it was such a such a just hilarious yeah, thing least, to me. At least you knew the word. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's more really that Facebook post was mostly about me going, hey, hey, hey I know this, and you don't. I, I just learned this word. I'm gonna shove it in everybody's face. Yep. Watch yeah. me dance in my smarty pants. <laughs> Uh, how much glitter do your smarty pants have? Like pounds and pounds of it, and just they cover it. Like I, there are so many people who make fun of my obsession for like all things cute and sparkly. This one friend of mine said, "I in my head, I imagine you taking glitter and chopping it up on a mirror like it's cocaine, and then just snorting it." <laughs> Why wouldn't it? Then you see unicorns. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then the world would be a better place. So, so that's it. Yeah, um, my my boyfriend hates hates glitter because it gets everywhere like sand, <laughs> and I love it. I'm I'm almost like a walking talking glitter bomb. Like I <laughs> have an unhealthy obsession with sparkly things and adorable things. I love adorable things. Anything that's cute, I'm like, oh my god, I have to. <laughs> own that touch it look at it save it to my camera roll something something has to happen so now i expect your tell-all book that you write eventually will be called glitter bomb oh yeah oh yeah it will be it definitely will be i'm uh yeah i have a very unique fashion sense as you may have noticed if you peruse my facebook pictures um but i always like bows my trademark and um bright colors and glitter and bright colors and glitter like I just really really like it but um I was denied the ability to do that as a child so now I'm like huh, my brothers don't live here <laughs> I'm gonna do whatever I want <laughs> whatever whatever I do what I want yep exactly <laughs> damn right and it yeah and I think it's you know something that's fun because I, I get up and you know my glittery outfits and stuff and then I do not at all the kind of material that you expect to come out of that mouth. Well, um, that's great though because then you disarm people and then when they're defenseless you hit them. Oh yeah and I mean there there are jokes that I've done that Paul uh, Paul Voigt has said he's like the, the only reason that you can get away with that is because you are instantly likable when you get on stage because you're just cute and you have the bow and he's like you know he goes if for me to work up to that kind of material it's an uphill battle because as soon as i walk on stage i'm instantly disliked <laughs> i have to get people on my side it's like you show up and you're just like look at me i'm cute well you i'm sure by now you've explained to paul that until he gets with the glitter and bow program and starts cuting himself up that it's just, they're always going to be that bear that there is, and he has. Um, you know, he, he enjoys doing the Savage Mouth shows because I'm there to set him up really well, so he can do all those those awful those awful jokes. But it's it's fun for him because the audience already likes him. As soon as I'm like, oh, he's a Savage Mouth, yeah, he's my boyfriend, and then they they like him because plus I'll make fun of him, so he can come on stage and immediately take a shot back, and it's totally safe. Yeah. Um, but I also like that because he is an amazing stand-up comic and I'm like that's right ladies that's right <laughs> and also guys boys in the audience that's uh yeah stay back <laughs> um 
And there, there are, you know, when I watch my, my friends, my other Savage Mouse guys on stage, I always, um, because I, I scouted them, I brought them in, uh, I always stand and just beam with pride when I see them have a good set. One, because they're my friends, and two, because I always knew, like, I knew how good they were. And um, I'm so excited that people are getting a chance to see it. But it's really uh, fun when you are in a relationship with someone and you both do the same thing like I know that it makes him really happy and proud to to see me shine on stage and I like nothing more than you know watching him just do amazing and he is so insanely talented and good that and he looks so quiet and nerdy and unassuming that <laughs> I just I can't even he's like a secret weapon because nobody expects him to get on stage and be anything like what he is um and it's it's really kind of great I'm just like yeah and that was our that was a trick I had up my sleeves. <laughs> yep. So yay. I like to show him off. I'm like, look at this. He's funny. <laughs> my, my pet human. <laughs> pet human. <laughs> uh, weapons of mass hilarity. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, he's he's crazy good. And like I know that and everybody else in Savage Mouth knows it, but the audience usually doesn't. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you've been uh, you've been uh, working the Nashville crowd a little bit longer than he has, right? If I remember, mm-hmm. I have been, I have been, um, and he uh, he's starting to really like Nashville. He did not like it initially, mm-hmm. um, you know, because he's a misanthrope, <laughs> um, you know. But now he's he's having fun, and he does um, he does well with. And pretty much any audience that we can put him in front of, and that's a very cool thing to have. Um, I I would want him as part of Savage Mouth, even if he wasn't my boyfriend, um, just because I I know that he's good. Um, and we definitely have like some playful competitiveness where, like, I'm going to outright you on this or outperform. At least, you know, we're just like I'm going to waste you on this show. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and it's I mean it's very it's playful jabbing, but. You know, we'll, well just be like, game on, game yeah, on. It can only make both of you sharper, so why wouldn't mm-hmm. it? doesn't, it, you know, it makes it really fun. Um, you know, because when you do, like in theory, it seems like it would be awesome to do comedy, and then you do it, and it's your thing. Uh, and then it's not. Like, I bet, I bet kids who dreamed about being a firefighter and then grew up to be a firefighter are like, if I see one more house on fire, I swear to God, I'm, I'm so sick of it. it. Yeah, I'm so sick of it. So over putting out fire. Um, when you do something all the time, it can get, you know, um, like I, I used to get really nervous and excited before shows. I don't anymore. It's just such a, like, and this is what you do. Um, and I guess it's hard to explain that to, to people who aren't on stage for a living. Yeah. But you don't get that, like, oh, I'm so hyped up and excited to get on stage. Blah, blah, blah. You get that for some shows, but in general, like, I want to get up and do a good job, but I don't get like, oh, my heart's pounding. I'm so nervous and excited. Like, it's time to make the donuts again. Yeah, <laughs> time to make the donuts. So I, to have someone that I can play, you know, spar playfully with is, is really fun. That's variety. I mean, on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, that's a, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, to to sit around like some of the conversations that we have are just I couldn't imagine 
being with someone who wasn't a comic just because it's for me it's just such a huge part of my life um that you know i'll sit and be like i'll just throw a premise out to him and mm -hmm. go what do you think of this and he's like mm, i would add this tag or this punch or mm -hmm. this person starting their motorcycle um <laughs> and it's, i mean it's just really great um you know to have that and to be able to bounce ideas off of someone who um I, I trust him so much with his his writing. Like even he'll you know, throw out suggestions that I'm like, uh, I don't know. And I try them and they work and I'm like, damn it, and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm happy and sad at the same time because I'm happy that it worked, but I'm like, Oh, you were right. Oh Yeah. Because, I mean your ego takes a hit, but your professional pride sometimes, so Yes, and and that's happened, you know, with a, with a couple of of jokes. If he's like, well, you know, this isn't landing the way that it should because when you do this, you know, you alienate part of the audience. So if you said it this way, then everyone is still with you. And I'm like, hmm, okay, I'll do it that way then. Yeah. And then it works. I'm like, oh, I'm happy and irritated. <laughs> and I think that's all we can ask for in life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're happy at the same time that you're annoyed, you pretty much won life. So. <laughs> yeah. Victory. Victory. Winning. Uh, I like winning. Not nearly as much as Charlie Sheen does. I can guarantee you that. Oh, God. Charlie Sheen. I feel yeah. like we should just get rid of him. Yeah, I think that would be a, a good idea. Like, somebody um, needs to just walk into Charlie Sheen's house and be like, um, we took a poll and you're done. Yeah. We've all collectively decided that you are too crazy to exist, um, and we're sick of hearing about you, but you keep doing crazy things, so there's no way we're going to not hear about you. We're going to need you to leave. Just life. Just you need to walk out. Yeah, and he's like, what, what are you going to kill me? No, we're, we're going to stick you in a boat and just push it that way. Yeah, yeah, so you do that. and um, Like, you know... Here's a bottle of vodka for the road. And mm -hmm. You enjoy that. You enjoy that. I have a joke I do about being a suicide hotline counselor. I'm like, I think I would be amazing at it because I could totally talk people into it. I can talk <laughs> people into anything. Talk them into anything. And those are the kind of jokes that Paul was referencing when he says, you know, you can get away with that because mm -hmm. you're you. Mm -hmm. I have to fight the uphill battle of getting the audience with me and on my side. And then even still, that might only land for a few people. Um, but when you go on stage in, you know, a poofy skirt and glittery bow. And you say, like, I'm going to tell people to kill themselves. They're like, oh, yeah. that's adorable. Yeah, they're like, that is so cute. <laughs> only because it doesn't seem like anyone would ever listen to me. And, <laughs> you know, it's... and so that's a fun thing to, uh, to talk about. Uh, and I think too that like I don't know so much that people are laughing exactly at the punch or just the fact that it came out of me. It just seems like <laughs> a combination of those things just seeming really hilarious. That factors into delivery, right? It's the right. source. Yes, it's delivery and there's timing. Um, you know, it's what you're saying as well as how you say it, um, and even putting in pauses before you you give out certain lines like I have a few jokes that there's a pause totally 
sells the punch. Um, and that's, you know, it matters. And when you are a comic, it's more, a, it's not just about writing um, and stage presence, but it's how you say what you say, the way you deliver it, how your, what your body language is when you do it. We think a lot about, you know, not only writing jokes, but how we're going to say them, what the tone is, um, you know, just delivery. It's a, it's a lot of words missing. And you think so much about what you're saying, which is crazy because in real life, I say dumb shit all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I said that to them. Wait, yeah, I can believe I said that to them. I'm just sad I did it. <laughs> yeah. More honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a fun thing that we do sometimes. <laughs> And like it, it, yeah. yeah, and it's cool, like to be, you know, to to get feedback on things where um, I've changed a joke by again, like this one that I do, where like the pause before I throw out the punchline um, totally makes the entire joke, and that was something that I had worked on this piece before, and then added that pause, and while the audience may think it's funny they might not realize why and how how I really sold it to them but then I get you know I get to Paul as soon as I come off stage and he goes and you added that pause that's what sold that whole punch like the punch is good but you really and it's just so nice to have someone who like can respect and appreciate it and notices that um that's good good feedback to get I'm like yay you noticed <laughs> the, the thing I did that other people aren't going to notice, but they will appreciate. Yeah. I mean, he's got your back. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's, um, there are, uh, without, at the risk of sounding like just a completely corny idiot, um, there are things where, you know, when I'm on stage, even if I can't see him, if I can hear his laugh, and not his fake, but like his genuine laugh, Mm -hmm. um, I'm just like, on the inside, I'm like, yes, because he, a lot of times he hasn't heard the jokes that I'm going on stage with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to get a genuine laugh out of him, I'm just like, oh, yes, good. Um, and, you know, there are other times where if I can just look out in the audience, you know, even in normally like in the back of the room or in the balcony and find him, then it's, it's, it's just so much better. And that is really corny. It's the truth. But it's, you know, but it's one of those things where, you know, it means the world to me to look out and and either hear that unmistakable laugh or, you know, to just look out and see him. I'm like, okay, cool. This show isn't going super well, but (laughs) he's here. And that's awesome. Yeah. And... I mean, don't don't sweat it though. Corny isn't always bad. In fact, most times it's not. It's just is what it is. Yeah, and that's you know that's one of those sweet things. And he's you know he's the same way. Um, he even said like I think one of the first times that I got to see him on stage. Um, once we were kind of like, oh, I like you, I like you back. Sure. Um, he said. He said, it wasn't nearly as important to me that I made you laugh as much as I wanted you to see that I could make everybody else laugh. Hmm. And and I'm like, oh, that is, that's cute. But I wasn't paying attention to the other people. I was just like, is this stuff any good? Um, <laughs> and I was right now, I do. I mean, I 
take great pleasure in sitting back and watching him on stage and like just hearing the audience completely just losing it. Um, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, look at you. You, you do funny good. <laughs> <laughs> you do funny good. <laughs> I just see you like grabbing his nose. Yeah. You do funny good. I, I do that sometimes and he gets really annoyed because he doesn't like his nose grabbed <laughs> oh. or his glasses touched. Uh, well, I could kind of agree with that one. But my glasses are so old and beat up that it hardly makes a difference. Oh, he hates having his glasses smudged. <laughs> and so I will always try to smudge his glasses. <laughs> um, and that's something like on our first date, he freaked out because... I touched his glasses and smudged him. He's very like OCD about it. He kind of like, he freaked out a little bit. And I was like, that's weird. And then I thought, well, this guy like obviously doesn't like me and he should because I'm clearly, I'm clearly way out of his league and I'm throwing him such a, such a bone right now. Uh, you know, this is terrible. Um, and turns out uh he did like me he's just weird about his glasses yeah um he's weird about a lot of things (laughs) (laughs) that's what i like about him he is um when people see us together they're like that doesn't really make sense (laughs) and i'm like well if i did like the brainless drone thing that society expects from me i would probably you know date some vain moron but because I grew up in a very bookish and flexible family I look for intelligence and personality Um, you know those things are so much more attractive to me than you know being whatever being a a douche I don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, I don't. I don't really much care for the company of douches myself I don't don't like them very much and um which is funny because I am apparently amazing at attracting them uh, until I start talking and they're like, oh, you're smart. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Never mind. No. Well, they see your plumage and then they get all or whatever. Yeah, and, and, then, they're, and then they're like, oh, she talks and has a brain, but Where's that yeah. sorority house again? <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, you know, Paul um, is enjoys um, debate and intellectual conversation and a challenge, and so you know we're always in this like silent, ongoing competition to see which of us truly could be a supervillain. <laughs> um, and you know, know, we just—he's like he would be a really good supervillain. I would be more like a. I wouldn't be a Harley Quinn. I would definitely be like a poison ivy, like standalone. I don't, I don't need a guy. Yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> and Paul's very unassuming, but anyone who has seen The Dark Knight knows will immediately get the reference. He's very unassuming, but he's that guy that could totally stick a pencil on the table and make it disappear. You know, yeah. you can't, you can't put that past him. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking more like um, I don't know how much if you if you ever watched the old cartoon, but there was a villain called the Ventriloquist, who was just this very average-looking guy. There wasn't really anything special about him, but anytime he had a puppet on his hand, the puppet would become the worst villain ever. Oh, that's definitely Paul. 
Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, Paul. Yeah, but he couldn't do it. He couldn't, I mean, whatever schizophrenia, whatever mental condition he had, he wouldn't be a villain on his own. It was only the puppet. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> because you can get off by pleading insanity. Yeah. And, and Paul could plead insanity like... Anyone legit has just met him would be like, I totally buy crazy from you. Um, he's, I mean, we've made jokes before. He even has a joke he does about where he looks like a serial killer. And he does. He kind of does. Like, I don't know when we're out on dates if people think that I'm there because I want to be or that it's like Stockholm Syndrome. Or, like, I... Because he does look like at any moment he is going to crazy murder me. Like if you start writing something on a napkin, they're like, okay, got to run over and see what that says. Because it might be help me. Yeah, it could be. It could very, very well be help me. <laughs> when instead you're just like, you know, milk, eggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, I even I posted a couple weeks ago on Facebook, a, like a note that I left for Paul in his comedy notebook. Um, and, it, and it said, uh, it said, Paul a giant bag of dicks I hate you love Amy I saw that (laughs) (laughs) that was great (laughs) but that's the kind of like loving supportive things I leave for him Paul Paul, do you remember the nice note that I left for you about how you eat a giant bag of dicks and then I posted it on Facebook (laughs) he's like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh yep that's nice isn't it sweetie he's nodding He's nodding in a very genuine way where he totally means that. <laughs> he's, he, yeah, he's clearly like very uh, in love with me. And, <laughs> and the thing is, like, if, if any of us really were in it, like, he looks like the serial killer, but I'm clearly like the way more crazy out of the two of us. Um, so that's fun. I'll remember that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a fun thing to to do. Like just even to be uh, um, around us. Usually, our friends are like we go back and forth between thinking like the two of you are really funny together, and the two of you are really gross together, and we hate you. <laughs> and we hate you. Yeah, because we we are we as much as I hate to admit it, we are totally that couple. It's just like, mm. oh, I appreciate you. I love you. Blah, blah, blah. You know, and like things that just in general would make you want to set people on fire. Uh, <laughs> and, that, and, and that's us. Like he will but he'll say things like, you know, I'll take a, a jab at him like on stage or whatever. And, um, and he'll be like, oh, my God, she is the love of my life. She's a cunt, but I love her. God, I love her. <laughs> Awesome. I do. Yeah, so it's it's fun. And it's, I think people, you know, um, especially when we do our little back and forth on stage, like it's fun for people to see that, you know, all, all relationships are that way. You can be totally just like, oh, I think that I'm with the greatest person ever. And also, here's a list of everything you do wrong. Mm. <laughs> it's, item, it's itemized. <laughs> bullet points yeah Here i have charts yeah i've got charts it's amazing i made i made a graph and uh i don't at one point i was like i want to do a powerpoint <laughs> just to do it just to be like here's everything you do like your your 
like the amount of socks you leave on the floor is directly proportional to <laughs> me not touching your wiener. <laughs> and, then, like, have a, and then like have a graph. <laughs> like have a, like a chart that shows like like have you noticed when there are less socks on the floor, your wiener is touched more and like going up. <laughs> like I just think I feel like that would be so fun that I could and then I could like do the PowerPoint presentation like in front of his mother at Thanksgiving. Oh. <laughs> so like, just so the whole family knows. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe you should have taught him to not be such a lazy bitch. <laughs> and you have grandchildren by now, okay? And then he comes in with like follow up questions like, So, what's the number of socks I have to get to get to just get a fingernail? <laughs> on- <laughs> and that would be and that would be great. That would be great. Or like if they're like you know, if they're all mismatched pairs, can I get one finger from one hand and another <laughs> from the other hand? Like now, but now we're not even into fingers. That's even now incorporated two hands, and that's going to have to be a sock-free situation. Uh, yes, there have to be. In fact, you'd have to go back in time and pick up other socks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there would have to be retroactive sock retrieval at that point. Yeah, you'd have make like, it work. Or, like, pick up your socks, like, forever. You, like, yeah. throw, them, throw them on purpose just so you can pick them up. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want the other hands involved or not? <laughs> We're going to play a game, Paul. <laughs> it's going to be it's gonna be kind of like one of those games out of the Saw movies, but not at all lethal and involving climaxing at the end. <laughs> so... Mostly better. Yeah, mostly better. <laughs> but I am going to wear the mask and talk to you through a television monitor. Um, and that's every guy's dream. <laughs> it is. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. so has this been as entertaining for you as it has been for me? Because <laughs> I'm thoroughly entertained. Oh, I've been exploding on the inside. <laughs> In fact, I've been trying... To laugh less, just so I can laugh more when I edit it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just like with the socks. With so. the socks, yeah. Well, socks get exploded into, from what I've heard of my guy friends. They're, you know. No, I've never done it. Well, I feel, I feel like you need to do it and then report back. Um, right. we, well, I mean, we do follow up periodically on age. Yeah, so next time... I mean, this is not to say I haven't exploded into other things. Just not socks. I mean, it's right there. It's all, like... Yeah, but it's usually on my foot, and it's like, if I get my leg up here like this, I'm going to be in all kinds of cramping pain. <laughs> so, let's not. <laughs> that, might, that might be my favorite thing anyone's ever said. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to ask some uh, yogi masters about yeah. Or here's here's a crazy idea. Um, you'd have like a sock specifically for that, just waiting. Mm. That would be. I'm just throwing out ideas. I'm trying to enrich your life here. Okay. Um, yeah. I, um, I wonder if they carry those. Oh socks. God! If socks they do, I want to. I want to be in charge of the marketing department. If they do, because <laughs> that would make me so happy. <laughs> Make lots of other people happy too. Yeah, yeah. That's what life's about. 
I'd be like, guys, have you checked out Amy Sulam's Just Have Your Socks? <laughs> I, I tried so hard to get that out without laughing. <laughs> Uh, every podcast is prefaced with a uh, not safe for work warning, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's the best. This is the best time for me to like. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. Well, I'm down to uh, eight more questions. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, okay. So this one is: What's the craziest thing you've ever done on a dare? On a dare. Uh, punch my brother in the face. Whoa, really? <laughs> yep. Damn. I was yep. expecting some kind of, you know, drunken thing happening, but no, just a punch. Right yeah. in the face. Yeah, just well, the dare was, um, you know, there's like, my other brother was like, I dare you to go and just punch Dobby in the face. Like, I bet you won't do it. And I was like, yeah. I will totally do that. And then I did. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> 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 he was like this look of just shock and stun <laughs> on his face was and also we weren't like kids <laughs> oh <what? laughs> you're like this is last week <laughs> yeah this is yeah. I think it was like a couple years ago um Damn. so that was fun um that that's like the best story because there were there were so no bells and whistles or frills. Yeah. It was just like they punched him in the face. Well, yeah. Tell me more about that. Oh, well, brother said punch him in the face, so I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, in all fairness, he said I dare you. Well, yeah. Obviously. And I can't be a punk in front of my brothers, and they won't respect me. So, I no mean, punk. obviously, you could hand that back to the other brother, and be like, "Hey, he dare." It's nothing yep. I can do. Yeah, and they're like, "He look." If you don't like it, you can go talk to mom about how he made me do it. Um, <laughs> talk to mom. <laughs> and she'll just frighten him into shutting the hell up. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. So, yes. Uh, Did you have another question? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I need another question. Uh, but I, I wrote down all these... Why did I write all these down? Because <laughs> this... Cause this it, I had some good questions before that, and then it suddenly turns into, like, some Seventeen Magazine quiz. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what's your favorite alcoholic beverage? My favorite alcoholic beverage uh, is Jaeger shots or Fireball Whiskey shots. Oh, damn. Yeah, so, see, mine's Hypno. <laughs> that's my, my favorite colors are blue and green. You know, uh, that that'll put hair on your chest. I it guess. it it. I hope not. Um, I I started uh, shooting whiskey when I realized that uh, if I drink mixed drinks or wine and draw out my drinking experience, I turn into an asshole. Whereas if I take mm. a shot and get wasted quickly, I'm so fun. <laughs> yeah. Oddly enough, that happens to me with beer. Out of all the other liquor, beer is what gets me drunk the coffee. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and it's cheaper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but what's your favorite color? Uh, blue and green. Are, they they go back and forth, but like a like royal blue and Kelly green are easily mm -hmm. my favorites. 
it's a very very bold blue and green. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite dance step? What is it? I like to, um, I think my favorite dance to do is the crip walk, and I've taught it to many of my friends and to many of my kids' friends because um, <laughs> I'm awesome like that. Sounds like it. I have no idea what that is. Google it <laughs> and thank me later. Okay. I will. Yeah. I love that I can make fun of myself for writing these questions down. Favorite movie? Oh, The Labyrinth starring David yes. Bowie. I I like it so much that I actually have a tattoo of a reference to the movie on my right bicep. What is it? It's um, the owl that Jareth turns into with a quote from one of the songs that says, As the world falls down. God failed you, open with your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That, that, made, that movie made me love Bowie. Oh my God. Oh man, that movie! I quote that movie like some people quote the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's there's just like like a like a hardcore set of like three movies, and that's one of them that I just like whip out quotes all the time, and people tell me to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I love that movie. And I'll, I'll I'll do quotes that people are like, "What is that?" When I do like nothing, tra la la, and they're like. Yeah, yeah, Paul does that, and he does like a spot-on Bowie impression. Nice. I'll be like, "What are you doing? Nothing, <laughs> nothing, like, nothing, nothing." Blah, blah. Yeah, it's that's really fun. Or like I've had a, a few months ago, there were some other comics who were a little jealous at uh, some of our success. Mm-hmm. I'll just call it what it is. Comic envy. And they said, uh, they said, you are selling us out to do, you know. Like not doing stuff with them and instead taking opportunities that would be better for me and my career in the long run. And my response to them was, Hoggle is Hoggle spread. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I'm like, this is show business, bitches. <laughs> Drop a pair. That's life. Hoggle is Hoggle spread. And then I'm yeah. sure they all said, what a horrible place this is. It's not fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I quote that movie non-stop. Like, um, and Paul and I will even be, we have our own little sport. Um, he'll be like, I'll, I'll be like, I love you. And he'll be like, I love you. I love you. Instead of I hate you. Yeah. Um, and so that's, yeah, that we are, wow, we're an awful couple to be around. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the best couple to be in. Though, so. Yeah, yeah. Like, we don't need friends good because we don't have any anymore. They got sick of us being gross. Yeah. That's all right. Screw mm-hmm. them. Uh, yep. Favorite game? Ooh, like board game, video game. <laughs> yeah. uh, I left that open my, ended on purpose. Okay. Um, my favorite video game is Assassin's Creed. Um, and my favorite, like, regular game, uh, is Batgammon. I've been huh. playing that since I was a child, so I really enjoy it. Wow. I never learned, you know, I always, I always remember having a Batgammon board, like, my whole childhood, and I could never figure it out. Oh, yeah. Well, my, my grandfather used to play it, so I would sit with him, and, uh, I would watch him and the other, like, old, uh, Duranian dudes play it, um, and I was like, hey, will you teach me how to play that? And he was like, sure. And then he did. And 
I didn't turn into like the Bobby Fischer backgammon <laughs> or anything, but I I did learn to play it, and it, it was, it's always been quite an enjoyable thing for me. I like it. Oh. Yeah, all my parents tried to teach me how to play was canasta, <laughs> which I didn't learn. <laughs> oh, okay. I I wanted the knowledge, so yeah. I feel like if it had been forced on me, I'd be like, "This is lame," but I wanted to do it, <laughs> and I thought it was cool because it was such a thing that brought people together um you know because they'd sit and play it and like it didn't matter you know what religion you were what side of whatever you were on like every everyone was school people and they all did that together um so that was neat i liked it i do like that nice teach me to play Mm -hmm. i will i'll teach you how to play backgammon it'll be fun be awesome um, yeah. Favorite model of car? Who? Um, favorite model of car? I gotta tell you, for my money, I have always wanted like a '67 uh, Impala or Eldorado. Like, I love the old like box yeah. cars, and I would put like spinning rims on it. And <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, someday I will own a car that looks like that. It will have like some kind of like glittery paint like maybe a dark navy blue with like a little bit of sparkle to it <laughs> like the cheesy kit kit sparkle oh, and nice. then rims like and yeah like when you see like a purple el camino and it's got that sparkle finish yep yep that's that's my <laughs> my dream car i love those i love them so much man my friend uh my friend garrett had a gold pontiac grand prix and i mean gold like sparkly gold color and it was oh wow and it was like not that great a car, but like driving around in it, we looked awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's really all that matters. Well, yes, obviously. And <laughs> favorite shoe? Um, what I rock all day, every day. My Chuck Taylors. I've got them in multiple oh, colors. Um, respect. I love them. I love them. That's my jam. <laughs> uh, I've got them. I've got them high top, low top, all different colors. I've got some with like spikes on them. I have some with like rhinestones on the toe. Um, and yeah, I love them. I live in them. Awesome. Yeah. I, I miss airwalks. I used to be able to find them everywhere and now they're, they're dying out. That, that was my shoe. Airwalk. Yeah. I have a couple friends who are like that, that were like big fans of the airwalks. Like they were happy when like other retail outlets started selling them and then they stopped. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry, boys. Yeah, well, I think Vans kind of edged him out of the skate shoe market. But, yeah. Yeah. The irony is that I was never a skater. <laughs> I just like the shoe. Yeah. Well, I I have never been Charles Taylor. Nah. Well. But but I like his shoes. I was going to ask about that, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and last but not least, um, where can we find your work? This is very important. Uh, where can you find my work? You can find me on Facebook uh, at Grab Mouth Comedy, um, where we post all kinds of insane things. And uh, you can find requests or follow me on Facebook. I'm Amy Z. Suwam. And we've also got SavageMouthComedy.com. Um, and all of that good fun stuff has all the crazy stuff that we're doing and some things that we occasionally have a camera rolling for either on purpose or not. 
Whoops. No, those are usually the best, though. <laughs> yeah. And then we are hoping to have uh, an ET out uh, in probably early next year. Oh, cool. Of all, all my boys doing their, their stand-up thing. I want to have a collaborated kind of thing going on. Nice. Yeah, a compilation. That's what I want. All of them, you know, give them about five cents a piece because they're, our styles make sense together, but everybody's kind of diverse, so. Well, you can you can weave it together. I have faith. Yep. So that's awesome. And that's where you can find all my all my stuff. Sweet. And now Paul has made pumpkin ravioli, so I have to eat dinner and treat him like a good wife. <laughs> <laughs> have to. Pumpkin ravioli, huh? <laughs> yeah. He's quite the little chef. Hmm. Yeah. And where can we find he, Paul's recipe club? Uh, you can find all things Paul Voigt. At, uh, you can find him on Twitter. He's what? At Paul R. Voigt. Hmm. He's Paul Voigt on Facebook. He's on Savage Mouse, Unlockable Characters out of Tampa. Hmm. Um, he's got like multiple, multiple places you can find him because he's just so diverse like that. Yes, he's very prolific. <laughs> he is. He's, he's prolific like a motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I just, I made it all rappy. Yes. Just like you do. Like you do. Well, then I'll let you eat. It's been very awesome having you on the show. Yes, thank you so much for having me. That's This has been so fun. That's that's what I shoot for, and usually come really close, but every once in a while I hear it. So I think we did that today. I feel like tonight we nailed it. Oh yeah, we nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's all break our arms, patting ourselves on the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me, and this was super fun. No problem. We'll have to have you back sometime. Maybe we can. Uh, I do like to bring in multiple people, so maybe we'll throw you into the into the mess. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right. Well, that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for being on the show. Right, Talk bye. to you later. Thanks. Bye. ADHD Cast is a Wickershift production. Today's episode featured the songs Amazon Motel by Biff Naked, as well as the Melancholy But Beautiful These Days Are Gone by DG Fouquet, used with permission. Also, Creative Commons licensed music by Earl, Coax, Alker, and Acrylic Colors, which are available at kavi.org, and Legend of Zelda, Saria's Dubstep by the Painted Pianos, which can be found on Sound Pulled. Don't forget to check out our website at diaday.webs.com and the blog for this podcast at adhdcast.wordpress.com. These books are available through Amazon.com and Lulu.com. Amy Sulem can be found at SavageMouseComedy.com. ADHDcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. For more information, visit creativecommons.org. Thanks for listening to a hyperactive 25 episodes. Here's to 25 more. Sorry out of the corner of my eye. Lost in the crowd with all them voices. Heavy breathing. The timing ever. The timing ever. It's a shame in my mind
up all the pieces I don't know where to go I've lost my mind Seeing you all over in this city Barely breathing happy at the same time that you're annoyed you pretty much won life 